Welcome to Jeff's World with Jeff Stein, the show that sees life through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. Because in Jeff's World, we blow minds and large hearts and leave no man or child behind. And now, here's your host, Chief Executive Optimist and President of these inspired states of mind, Jeff Stein. Thank you, Eric Harthen. Uh, you know, there is one lesson that is really the, the, the ultimate reality of the human experience that is being learned right now in our cultural, social, political climate. In order to evolve, to improve, to grow, to inspire, or even if you want a bigger term, to find God, enlightenment, the meaning of life, the laws of the universe, whatever you're trying to do, you must think more about what you do want than what you don't want. That's how it works when I find my keys. <laughs> yeah. See, exactly. I don't. I don't concentrate on the fact that the keys are gone. I concentrate on finding the keys. Bing. The best example ever. <laughs> thank you, that's Jeff Hendrick. You heard Erica Ferriston in there too. And thank God that Erica's back. She was gone. <laughs> Welcome we, we, back, sunshine. Woo-hoo, while you were good gone, to be back, but we, it was fun to be away too. I bet. I right. Bet. Right. Yay. It's coming to do. So we we did a quick thing because we couldn't resist because of all the Russia stuff that went down. But uh, anyway, the point is, is you you must be more focused on creating something than destroying your perceived resistance. Mm. If you're spending all your time just removing roadblocks, you won't even you'll forget what you were trying to do. You will forget the road you were trying to build. Because if you are not putting your consciousness on what you seek, on your solution, then you are the problem. <laughs> that, uh, we right. did, it's kind of it's, it's un poquito harsh. Not too poquito. It's un poquito harsh. <laughs> you, could, you could be, if you're not actively contributing to your solution, you could be actively contributing to your own problem. How about that? There you go. It's a little, little less hard. This is why I love my co-hosts. <laughs> mm-hmm. They make little, Keep little tweets. Real, Keep it real, Hendrix. I'm, I'm it trying real. to be the warm well, fuzzy today. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Feeling counter to my uh, otherwise poopy physical uh, demeanor. Aw, but you look good. Still got <laughs> hair. You still got I, hair. I, I, yeah, um, I guess if... I, my, my co-hosts don't want to do this, but I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, if you want to, on the Chess World Facebook page... Just go ahead and chime in when you think I'm going to lose my hair. We'll have a little betting pool. And- I am betting never. I like your bet. Yeah. <laughs> I would prefer not to go bald, but I, my oncologist and everybody else that I'm talking to about this uh, big, sca- big scary treatment that I'm going through says, yeah, you're going to be bald. I don't know, man. If I had to put my money on a follicular resilient person, I would, uh, I would, I would put I, money there. Well, that's- You're older than I am a little bit, and you got way more hair than I do. Buddy. Yeah, but you know, I'm combing it over from my back. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. not true. But- Sexy. Yep. <laughs> Today on Jeff's World, uh, Special Prosecutor Bob Mueller is a badass. Uh, I'm telling you, leaks, reports, and revelations are all proving that Mueller is two steps ahead of the media, three steps ahead of Congress, and about a zip code ahead of the Trump White House. Uh, this, uh, this is that, really well, amazing he's, what he's doing. He And he's also putting together a team that would terrify me if I was the dreamest the of dream teams. Yeah. I mean... <sighs> What are these up to 15 now? Lawyers? Yeah, and I've never seen anything like the kind of talent and experience that is nah. being brought to bear. Oh, boy. Time permitting, uh, though, we'll talk about what I think would be Trump's best defense in the Russian election conspiracy charges. I think he has a good defense, actually. Moose and squirrel? <laughs> Moose and squirrel. Uh, I want to talk about a new appreciation is being born in the Trump presidency. It's a new understanding of what it means to be president. And it's, again, it's that same theme of focusing on more what you want than what you don't want. Okay. And sometimes when you see what isn't working, it reminds you how many times things worked. 
right? Erica always teaches me the 98% rule. Look at the 98% that working. And expand uh, from there. There's something about this era that's made me look back at all the previous presidents and go, wow, <laughs> I'm just not quite so harsh anymore on these folks. Uh, also, we'll talk about the most hated man in America today, and it is not Donald Trump. <laughs> also, the 32% of Republicans. Is it Pence? Mm, close. No, <laughs> the, the ghoul. I'm calling him the ghoul now, Mike Pence, because mm-hmm. I'm watching way too much video of these two, right? And his expressions is he just stands behind oh my gosh. the ghoul. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> it's like, oh. dude, dude, he's Veep of the Living Dead. <laughs> There's totally. even better. You yeah. upped me no, again on comedy. He is, he is the undead. He is. Ooh, this, there just, is something uh, very ghoulish oh, about yeah. him. It's oh, yeah. strange. He's, well, he's just like, evil race Bannon. Evil race Bannon. 32% of poll shows that 32% of Republicans actually believe that Donald Trump Jr. has never met with any Russians ever, despite Donald Jr. even admitting that he has. You know what? That doesn't surprise me because 38% of Americans believe that angels are real. Um, I'm one of those. There are people that think that the earth is flat. I mean, okay, I'm not one of those. No. <laughs> well, my girlfriend, I was talking with her on the phone right before I came here, and she said that she was driving behind a car that had a bumper sticker that said Trump Putin 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I love comedy. <laughs> I don't. don't I'm interpreting that that they want. Well, the real problem with that is it really would be Putin Trump 2020. Exactly. <laughs> That's a misprint. But is right that off the where bat. this Trump supporting group has gone? Like they want. No, it's satire, right? Yeah, that's satire. It's got to be satire. I hope they're not serious. Hard to know. But, well, if 32% believe that Donald Jr. never even met with the Russians, even though he admitted very loudly that he has. So this is what I don't like about polls. Where are the follow-up questions? Like, Oh, no, no. Those would give us real information, Erica. We don't want those. Like, what (laughs) makes you say that when Uh, when you have Donald Trump Jr. himself saying that he has? And they still don't believe it. Yeah. So, so do they think that like fake audio was put in front of his mouth? Do they think that there they just was didn't hear a it. gun? They didn't hear it. Okay. I believe. I mean, I'd always let them have somebody who doesn't. It can, everyone can be ignorant. I'm very ignorant in lots of things. I don't understand lots of things. I know so, nothing and, of cheese making. Right. If you, right. Yeah. I mean, if you said so, cheese yeah. is made of, you know, whatever, they threw some made up ingredient. And, right. And I went, okay. All I right. Mean, I wouldn't yeah. know. Okay. Sawdust? All okay. right. There's yeast in cheese. I'd be like, oh, oh okay. Sure. <laughs> so I don't know. We're trying. Maybe we're giving them too much room. But at any rate, <laughs> we'll talk about the president. Uh, how President Trump supporters hear complaints about the Donald because they hear them very differently, of course, and that uh, because right wing, you know, is is kind of numb to hyperbolic language. We're going to talk about that. Congress broke a 164 year record. <laughs> it is now the most ineffective Congress since before the Civil War. <laughs> Yay! That is wild, considering they. One party has the White House, the Senate, and yeah. uh, the House of Representatives. I know, and they're not only the most ineffective Congress in 164 years, but they have a monopoly, as you just pointed out, and are still the most. Because it's one thing to say, oh, you're very ineffective because you have split government. Did, did, <laughs> did they get the hat trick, though? Are they unpopular, ineffective, and... What's the third one? What's the third the one? The richest. Yeah, right. Yeah, actually, yeah. Cabinet ever filled with billionaires because, you know... That's how you do the work of the common people. Is you get uncommon people in there. Yeah, you you put in the billionaires and then you pass legislation. That benefits. The billionaires. Oh. But, you know, you notice here they're called rich people and billionaires over in Russia are referred to as oligarchs. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, well... 
So President Trump and Ivanka did a very good thing for some Afghan girls. You may have heard this story. So I want to put the positive news out there. Okay. okay I know what you're going to say. There is a caveat. <laughs> we'll get to that. I'm biting a hole through my tongue. I know. We'll come to that. <laughs> Uh, CNN does some more fake news on the hire slash by American week. <laughs> well, oh, that's satire. It's not fake news. A glimpse at the future <laughs> from former presidents that will change everything you believe about where things are going. I really want to get to this. We often don't get to everything. But this idea that uh, when the two presidents, Bush and former presidents Bush and Clinton, sat down for an amazing uh, speech conference recently, they said some future stuff that made me go, whoa. We got some big change coming. And I got a prediction right. I just want to toot my little horn for a second. Congrats. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm I, the first to admit, I being in politics, you guys, we've all been democracy geeks for a long time. And I used to be pretty good at kind of predicting where things were going to go. At least I thought I did. But as the chaos has increased, I've gotten less and less able to. One thing I predicted, at least I think I predicted right, was I predicted, and you guys remember this, wheelchairs and IVs going to Congress. I do you, remember you when did you call said that. that. We got wheelchairs and IVs. You called it. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're gonna coming up, we're going to do that because I wanted to start with some good news on the healthcare front. The democracy that has occurred, the people that have stepped up because this dun, is dun, dun. where possibility and purpose and punchlines <laughs> live. This is Jeff's world. I got a condo in Manhattan. Baby girl was Thank you for being a citizen of Jeff's world, where we try to feelize ourselves to a saner future. I'm Jeff Stein, along with Erica Ferrison and <laughs> Jeff Hendrick. You made that word up. I did feelize. Make, everyone's making words up. It's the era of made-up made words. You made that word up. I love that word. Realize, feelize. You can see. You can see where that's a good word. I'm not cri- I'm not criticizing. I'm actually No, I know. That's I, kind I of a cool. Feelize is kind of a groovy word to make up. I was not really impressed. Really. I was watching. Not really? Not really. I was watching uh, uh, <laughs> uh, one of the many channels, Ari Melber, you know, the uh, yeah, yeah. MSNBC guy, you know, and he was, I was watching, flipping through. Uh, Fox has been fascinating to watch lately. We're going to get to that. But, uh, and Breitbart and Drudge Report and their headlines, because we're going to get into healthcare now and, and the explosion on the right. We're going to get to the Civil War a little bit later. Uh, but uh, he made a great point. He said, quote, life is a, made of feelings. And uh, the old Rob Thomas song, and only, we only just remember how it feels. Life really is about how it feels. You boil it all down, even politics especially, we sit here and get very excited about it. And we get, you know, it's obviously wonky people. We're like facts and policies. And it's ultimately, no, no, that's does it feel it, like you're screwing us or does it feel like you're helping us? That's, that's all it comes <laughs> down to, isn't it? Yeah. So. Uh, I and to, to, their, to the Trump supporters, they feel like they're being helped. Yes. They fe- yeah, again, yeah, we're gonna. I want to get deep into their heads okay. because no, no, I, 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 and this is gonna be the thing. But I wanted to start a little bit with the uh, the to positives. The rest of us, we feel like we're being. F- <laughs> <laughs> Done. We see how we bleeped her. She bleeped herself a lot. Bleeped, uh, bleeped, bleeped. Um, <laughs> so how do we get here? First, the healthcare vote, right? And we're seeing it's collapsing, and now they're trying to figure out some way. And and, I, and we'll get into the politics of it and and the machinations and where it's going. But why did it? fall apart, right? Because this should have been a slam dunk. They got control. Republicans have everything. So why didn't they have it? Partly is because you had a conservative chunk of the Republican Party that looked at this bill as draconian as it was and said, it's not killing enough people. That is true. Well, I'll give Which you is Paul Ryan was one of them. Paul Ryan said it doesn't hurt enough people. Mike Lee from Utah said, "You know what? Not enough of my constituents are gonna die." 
So well, I can't support this. This quote has been floating around. Right. That uh, Paul Ryan, thank you for bringing it up. Because, you know, I, I, I put a lot of hope in, in Paul Ryan. And I always, I'll always put in the hopes that somebody will kind of get hear their better angels at some point. And to him, he thinks he's hearing them. So I guess that works. I think cutting off Medicaid and social. Anyway, he's been trying to end Medicaid, Social Security, and Medicare since uh, here's the quote that's been going around. How long, <laughs> Paul Ryan, he was doing an interview on a conservative uh, panel, and they were asking about <laughs> how long he's been thinking about it. We've been dreaming of this since I've been around, since you and I were, at, were, were drinking at a keg. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about something else. He was yeah. thinking about reforming Medicaid. I was. I've been thinking about this. <laughs> I was thinking about killing people instead of getting laid in college. That's all I wanted to do was kill old people and cut off their Medicare. <laughs> Which really, is Ryan? not sexy. Really, Ryan? No, not sexy at all. At all. But that's how long he's been. I mean, this has been. Who he thinks fantasizes killing, about killing senior citizens in a freaking kegger? Well, again, who you know he. Uh, that's the callous look at, it, and okay, I agree. But callous? he did. What okay, he fantasized. But let's take it down uh. to then your, to. Okay, let's take it down to the conservative right. po- uh, w- w- political look, right? Okay, right? All right. And so their conservative political look. I guess I'm going to take it from the libertarians is that government should not be spending, I don't know, money to support human beings, I guess. Right. Because they don't want government involved in supporting anybody. They think everybody should be individualism. There's no government institutions. That's why they don't like Like Medicare. Schools, no social security, no public should be organized by private companies and private citizens. Hold on, Hendrick. Let me just finish this. Roads. No. Well, sure. Anyway, oh. I know, I know. Now you're getting like, I know, I know, right? <laughs> okay. But so, I mean, even from like that point of view, right? right. Like that the government money, even though it's our money, should not be spent <laughs> on health care in any form, whether you're seniors or poor, doesn't matter. You go without. Paul Ryan has government health care. Oh, they all do. So how... Are they justifying that? I'm just talking. Well, about he from- would actually, in, in his consistency, he would say no health care for him either. He would rather buy them okay, in the open market because he's, he's a trying to be an absolutist. Yeah, sure. And so he can afford it. So <laughs> he sure. would get rid of, and for his staff as well. Excuse me. It's a good question. Excuse they, me. They get it too. Right. Pardon me. <laughs> they voted to exempt themselves from being blown out of the ACA. Right, they did. Did Paul Ryan vote for that exemption? Absolutely, they all did. Everybody voted for the exemption. So he's not consistent. If he voted for that exemption, he is not consistent. Yeah, if that is the case. Yeah, I don't don't know his voting record on that. I don't know the actual whip count, but we'll see. You honestly think he didn't vote to keep himself in the ACA? I don't know. I don't know. He's saying he doesn't know. This is apples. I don't know. We're not. I mean, this is small potatoes compared to what taking away from everybody. You know, I mean, if they just do that usual stuff, voting themselves raises and stuff, I don't care as long as the rest of the country is in good shape. But obviously that's not the case. And so that is obviously not, not the, the case. case and so it makes it particularly glaring when you're taking care of yourselves when you're really screwing the rest of the country. So, But why? here's the good news of why it failed, in addition to the political machinations, which I love that you guys have pointed out and we're going to go deeper on, is that America rose up. Great story. First of all, two two great stories in my opinion. One, uh, 62,000 paper rings. Did you see this? In Virginia 9th. In the Virginia 9th, which is where Morgan Griffith, a Republican, is is the, the congressman there. He voted for, in the House, 
the ripping of the, the you know the twelve percent approval bill that right. we just went through, right? right? That was going to take kill twenty three million people's insurance. He voted for that. So his constituents did the math, figured out that sixty two thousand people in that congressional congressional district would lose their health care. And so these folks just got out and like a high, a school project, hundreds of people came and made little rings of paper in different colors and made a chain that was three miles long of 62,000 pieces of ringed paper awesome. and then delivered it to their congressman. That sort of thing has happened. You can look on the, on the TV tube and see all the, the, the town halls. The other great moment, of course, one of the, the senators who opposed it was Jerry Moran from Kansas, red state Kansas, red guy, no doubt about his conservative credentials. He decided to hold a town hall. He was one of the only Republicans who, who held a town hall Wait, during the 4th of July holiday. wanted to know what his constituents he, actually thought. Before you get too excited, okay. he did and he didn't. Okay. He did want to know what they thought. But he wouldn't let them speak at it. Yeah, right. No, it wasn't that bad. He went to a town hall in a town with a population of 250 in western Kansas, five hours drive from Wichita or sort Kansas City. Wow. So he went out in, in a place where it voted 70 something percent for Trump. Right. He went way out. Into the most friendly, friendly rural place safe, ever. Safe, 200, safe, population safe, of 250. Safe. And 100 plus of the local residents showed up, plus a whole bunch of people drove five hours, of course. So that's like over half the town's population. There were more people in the town hall than almost the entire population of the town. Wow. And? And they, of course, gave him an earful. <laughs> and no matter how much he tried to assume they were liberals, they kept being self-identified Republicans who voted for Donald Trump and this sort of thing and said, you're taking, you're destroying it. And that is why Jerry Moran and, of course, Mike Lee, which we'll talk about in a second, they, they jumped out and voted against it along with Rand Paul and Susan Collins, Susan Collins to kill yeah. it, right? They jumped out before the CBO report, which everyone was thought they were going to wait for right. and kind of just not to be mean, kind of weaselly, waiting right. for the CBO to, you know, to find out that it was as turd of much we thought it was. Which... You know, I, I won't actually give them the weasel mantle for waiting for the CBO score because that's kind of what you're supposed to do yeah, with yeah, legal exactly, exactly. You wait till it gets sussed exactly. out by all the departments. Yeah, and they I go, oh, it it's either good or it's not good. Yeah. And now, uh, granted, that's also but a little bit But it would have given behavior. them some political cover. Absolutely. So by them jumping out in front, they're even putting themselves more at risk with, uh, you know... Yeah, it's Hitler, an act- Trump. <laughs> it's it's an actual political stance they're yeah. taking. Right. Yeah. So in the theme of the show and the universe in general, uh, the amount of people that are focusing on what they want instead yeah. of what they don't want is staggering. Well, it's I, impressive. That example of the people coming together and making yeah. the links, yeah. that's a beautiful example of focusing on what you want, staying in the solution, staying active. Can I take it local? Please, because I'll tell you, just to interrupt one second. Yeah. Erica knows better than anybody in this room how hard it would be to cajole people to get together and make rings of paper. Even something as simple as that, getting people to be motivated about politics yeah. in the past is really hard. It's really hard. E- even today, it's, I it's think still challenging. our last election in Los Angeles... Yeah, it was a horrible turnout. 30? It was like 12%. Was it people 12? came out and voted. Oh, it was, my God. It was abysmal. Anyway. But anyway... So, as you guys know, right here in California, we have a bill, Senate Bill 562, which is basically expanded and improved Medicare for All, also known as single-payer, also known as as universal health care. 
And here, what's really frustrating, and this is where I call my own party, here we we have exactly what the Republicans have, but in the reverse order. We have a Democrat governor. We have a Democrat Senate. We have a Democrat Assembly. We don't just have a majority. We have what's called a super majority. Right. It's, it's overturn proof. It's filibuster proof, veto proof, all that stuff. It is in the California Democratic platform. Universal health care is in our platform. So if you're a Democrat, you're supposed to believe in and work for what's in our platform. That is in our platform. So one person... Anthony Rendon. Yes. Oh, <laughs> has of the assembly. stopped this bill from just having a hearing yeah. in the in the Assembly Health Committee. He's shelved it, and he he's out there and he's saying, "Well, the financials aren't attached." But That's for people who are in the know, here's how it works: you can't attach the financials until it's in the committee, and you can amend the bill. Everybody knows that they they put out these. You know, these talking points because they think people aren't paying attention or people don't know. (laughs) So anyway, now we know that Rendon is taking the fall for Jerry Brown, that Jerry Brown has told him, don't let this get to my desk. But I I call to task also other assembly members um, who and and senators as well, who and even the author of the bill, Senator Laura. They are not doing, they are not making little rings of paper. No. They are not, you know, asking their colleagues to stand up and just, we're just saying, let it go to the health committee for debate. Let it be amended. Let it address all the problems that everyone is pointing out instead of killing it. So anyway, I went to a meeting Monday night. And um, it was, you know, sponsored by the California Nurses Union. But there's also, they're not the only ones in support of this bill. I mean, the number of organizations in support of this bill are numerous. Everyone except insurance. (laughs) And pharmaceuticals. pharmaceuticals. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, one of the projects that we're working on is, you know, how do we create art? about healthcare. Oh. How do we have like an art showing, poetry reading, music? So again, it's a beautiful example of like right now it's feeling pretty defeated. Like we've gone all the traditional routes. All right. So we're not going to let this go and it's like so how else do we how else can we keep moving this forward in a positive way? And that's one of the ways. So I I just it's very inspiring for me to hear how that worked yeah. in some other part of the country. Yeah. I hope that it works here with our own Democrat supermajority. I think I think we're it's a slow wake up. We've been asleep for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But we're pulling some sleep out of our eyes and I think everybody is realizing The problems are big enough now. Well also the pain is big enough. People the, are ready to move. The realization that has always been a truism Democracy is a participation sport, and I think more people are starting to, you know, thinking about buying a jersey, lacing up some cleats, <laughs> getting in the goddamn game. Because they're looking at it thinking, oh, these clowns are playing. I'm smarter than those guys are. Ooh, let's, let's make that a – let's get our Kaepernick jerseys on. There we, there we go. <laughs> let's make it a team and have Kaepernick as one of our – I don't know. What does he do? Quarterback? Yeah, quarterback good job. Baby. He yeah. can be our QB. There yeah. we go. Yeah, you want to you silence a room. Go to Eastern or whatever. Go into rural Oregon in a bar and say Kaepernick. Um, <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, uh, coming up the uh, the machinations of this all. I want to I want to turn on the way back machine and explain how the Republicans got to where they are right now. The uh, the president's response to it. Anyway, go ahead. This is the rarefied air of Jeff's world. You know, on some level, you, you have to be impressed that Mitch McConnell and his friends have written a bill so bad that their own party hates it. The only question is, when, when something is so deeply unpopular, how could you possibly make it worse? Senator Ted Cruz has authored an amendment to the Senate GOP <laughs> health care bill. My man. <laughs> Cruz's amendment would allow insurers to sell cheaper plans with fewer benefits. The nation's largest insurers released a letter calling the Cruz proposal unworkable in any form and saying it would increase premiums for those with pre-existing conditions and lead to widespread terminations of coverage. <laughs> this is Jeff's world. Uh, that's comedy. That's obviously the Daily Show. I'm Jeff Stein with Eric Affairs and, and, and Jeff Hendricks. It's what the people want. Yeah. It's what they want. They want to pay more for less. Don't you get that? <laughs> so, you know, they they, they obviously Lord. can't pass this, and there isn't really much hope of getting it through. Uh, and we've talked about in the past, you know, what's the, the, the situation. But let's, let's go from where we are now because, gosh, it's so deep and it's so ugly. I can't but, believe you don't want to poke in the eye with a sharp stick, Mr. Stein. Why don't you want that? Hey, why don't you want that? You sound like Trey Crowder. T- uh, the uh, Benghazi. <laughs> uh, so Donald Trump was, yeah. you know, he decided to talk to some reporters, and that's awesome. I'm very, I, I applaud him for that, uh, if nothing else, because there was a time when I was thinking he's not ever going to talk to reporters again, but he did, and they asked him about the health care, and this is an epic response. We might even have to stop it as we go along because it's just got so many layers of gorgeous in this. Uh, here he is responding to the to the, the Republicans screwing it up, you know. We've had a lot of victories, but we haven't had a victory on health care. We're disappointed. I am very disappointed because, again, even as a civilian, for seven years I've been hearing about health care. And I've been hearing about uh, repeal and replace. And Obamacare is a total disaster. Some states had over a 200 percent increase, a 200 percent increase in their premiums. And their deductibles are through the roof. It's an absolute disaster. And I think you'll also uh, agree that I've been saying for a long time, let Obamacare fail and then everybody's going to have to come together and fix it and uh, come up with a new plan and a plan that's really good for the people with much lower premiums, much lower costs and much better protection. I've been saying that, Mike, I think you'll agree for a long time. Let Obamacare fail. It'll be a lot easier. And I think we're probably in that position where we'll just let Obamacare fail uh, we're not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not going to own it. We'll let Obamacare fail, and then the Democrats are going to come to us, and they're going to say, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Isn't that amazing? Well, <clears throat> what's the am- most amazing thing? What's amazing to me is that uh, the reason the exchange is failing in some states is that those states are run by Republican governors who have refused to accept any money to bolster the ACA. And by the way, fun fact. They're, can, they're starving it, they're murdering it, and they're turning around and blaming the victim. And, and, and I want to point That's this out. There's, there's one of the talking points I hear all the time from the right wing is there are so many X number of counties or cities or states or whatever that only have one insurer. By the way, before Obamacare, they had zero 
Well, they had zero insurers who would follow those rules. I mean, in right. terms of pre-existing conditions, yeah. lifetime limits, you had zero insurers right. who would protect you in any meaningful zero. way. Right. And now you got one, and of course, it's worse than ever. And I get it. We need ten, not one. I get that. That's fine. Comp- no, you know, whatever. No, no, we don't need dude. ten. We need one. We need one single payer. Goddamn right. I know. That's Easy. right. <laughs> don't even. And not single payer run by one insurance company. Not right. private single payer. Right. Which is you're starting to hear. Uh, you know, some of the insurance companies right. talk about, oh yeah, we believe in single payer. They want private single payer sure. where they make all the profit. But it's interesting because I was talking to a Trump supporter earlier today and she was saying that she thinks it's egregious that with this, you know, Obamacare that, you know, little Catholic nuns were forced to buy pregnancy insurance and men were forced to buy in pregnancy insurance. And I was trying to what? explain this is, yeah, I was trying to explain, no, but how insurance works. Like, don't talk about health insurance. Just use car insurance, for example. Right. That's how insurance works. You pay money into pool. Somebody may be having more accidents than you. And so I guess some of your money is going to pay for that person's accidents. But you're not forced to it's Drive not separate like that. Else. Like yeah. Yeah. that's just how insurance works. It's a pool where all the money goes in and then it goes out to pay whoever got into the accident or whoever got into the fender bender. Yeah. And it wasn't requiring nuns to pay for insurance. It was requiring insurers to provide birth control or, or, or feminine, you know, obviously female issued uh, coverage uh, if they wanted it. So, what is, but anyway, that's what a lie, is it about the vagina that <laughs> terrifies old Christian white rich men but we uh, i don't know we, no, but we seriously have to, uh, seriously why do they want to board that part of a woman's body up man they would just put a giant you know two by four and some sheeting across that let's put up some warning stickers my god we don't know what's coming in or out of there it's terrifying yeah it's bizarre to it me is bizarre. That reproductive rights have been around countless millennia we know that babies come from and all that and yeah. it's still this Weird process that is somehow punitive for women. Jeff, explain that. I, there's me. no explanation. I, I okay. want right. that's a, that's thousands of years of stuff we deal with. That we're going to keep coming to that. I'm sure <laughs> as we evolve. Well, we thought there would be some real evolution in that, and there right. is. Later in the show, actually, I want to talk about some of the advancements that have happened with women lately that have been really amazing that aren't necessarily part of the news. But I want to dissect what Trump just said. It's a tiny bit because oh, you know, just because yeah. here he is saying, uh, you know, uh, we're not going to own it. I mean, he's he's right on on two things. He's right in the sense that he's really good at saying. Everything he does is great and really saying everybody else, anything anybody else does is bad. Mm-hmm. He's a great salesman in that sense. But on the count of they're not going to own it, I'm sorry, man. And there's been a great – a lot of uh, – on the right-wing pages, the conservative pages, talking about whether or not Donald Trump even is – could be called a Republican because he always refers to them as they – uh, you know, a lot, and he doesn't seem to associate with them. And the, the, the point that they kind of came to the conclusion of the obvious one of the narcissism is that he'll be a Republican when they're winning, and he'll not be a Republican when they're failing. Right. Which is the worst kind of team member you want ever. Which is interesting <laughs> right? that the left decides to vilify Bernie for trying to be a Democrat or an independent when he's just trying to get things done. Yeah, and he's not—he's never vacillated. He's the reason he joined the D, the DNC was so he could get the border base info. That's the only reason he didn't need their money. Yeah. He didn't need their donations. He didn't need their policy. He didn't need their bullcrap. He just needed the info about voters. That's why he went to the DNC. He's always been an independent, right? But for Trump to vacillate between I'm a Republican, no, I'm not a Republican. I'm this, I'm that. You know what? You're not anything. 
Well, to You're claim that man. he's an evangelical Christian is well, there's that. That's laughable, bizarre. and they they like it. Did they, just tell him what they want to hear, and he knows that. Yes, he he's knows an excellent salesman. He's all he has to do salesman. is tell people what they yep. want to hear. Doesn't matter if it's true. Doesn't matter that he's on his third wife. Doesn't matter that he doesn't go to church. Doesn't matter that he doesn't know any scripture. Doesn't matter that he if, hates the enemy. Yeah, none of that matters yeah. if he says it. They yeah. believe it because they want to. Who would yeah. Jesus grab? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so you know, he, he he continued. Of course, first of all, this is I got to play a little hilarious moment. This this demonstrates it. I'm sorry, you guys. You you want if you're a Trump supporter, you want your politician to know how to play the game. I mean, this is literally like a soccer player who says, I'm going to win by standing by the goal, and then I'm just going to yell and scream and say it was me when it goes through it. You Dude, know, I, I don't I know anything about playing. I don't know anything about running around the field. I don't actually fight for anything. Giving him, you're giving him way too credit. He's the guy who stands in the middle of a soccer field with a football complaining everybody else is wrong. You're right. <laughs> so he said, <laughs> Why that, are you people kicking that round one around when I've got this pointy one? So I love this, yeah. how his narcissism tries to turn this into a victory. Uh, when you know, Because, of course, it has to be somehow, right? Listen to this. this but if you really think about it, you look at it, and we have 52 people. We had no Democrat support, which is really, you know, something that should be said. We should have had Democrats voted. This is a great plan for a lot of people. It's a great plan for a lot of people. We have Democrat support. We have 52 people. We had four no's. Now, we might have had another one somewhere in there. But essentially, the vote would have been pretty close to, if you look at it, 48 to 4. Uh, that's a pretty impressive vote by any standard. A pretty impressive vote God, by any is standard. He, is he really that dumb? I think he's feeling really proud of himself because I think he actually understood the numbers and he was so excited <laughs> to say, like, we had four no's right. and we had 52 total. And I mean, I'm just wondering how long, you know, he went over that. But I oh, I, took, I think that's a victory for that him. Took Kelly, that, that took Killian Conway in nine hours of flashcards for that to go down, I'm sure. Let me, let me but quote But wait, a, let me uh, take you ahead. to task, Okay, Stein, please do. Mr. Positive. Sure. <laughs> so you just said... You know, Trump as a narcissist has to turn everything into a victory because that's part of narcissism. Or to, yeah, or to distance himself from the losses, either way. But isn't that something, though, that you personally advocate that people should do? Is find <laughs> that's, that's a good point. victory and losses and celebrate the victory? So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I guess the only difference between me and Donald Trump then is that as uh, denial. Because um, I think the other part of the course is that you have to accept where you are, right? You have to accept and 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 know what you are wait, wait, doing is, wrong, right? Is this, is this that T word we keep kicking around? Truth, truth, truth. You know? But wait, so if you were the president in this position, and let's say you had a bill that you really wanted passed, and it came and it failed with the exact same numbers in the exact same situation. How would how would you be looking like what would you how would you look at it? What would your process be? Well, I guess where I say it's a narcissism is when you when you say that uh, a losing score is a victory. Now you're a narcissist. In other words, basically what he said with that 48 to four comment was that, hey, we lost the game. But that's really impressive because losing is winning. And it's like, that's where you've lost your mind. Because if I said, say, well, you know, we lost the game. Now, like, like if I was saying what he said, spun those numbers, say, look, 48, we only got 48 votes. And you know what? That's good. We're only two votes away. And we need to work on those two votes. But instead, he tried to turn 48 votes into a victory and say it was impressive. 
There's I the see. difference, right? I don't know. I don't okay. Know. I mean, it's it's kind of parsing, but but that's he, no, but that's that's that <laughs> he is steeped in his pathology right there. That's what he does. Yeah, it's not reality. It's what it's it showbiz. So it was fun because I'm watching Fox News, and first of all, oh, uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. It was fun. Can I come over and watch it with you? No, you, you wouldn't. No. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to hear the TV because <laughs> you'd be like, they, I can't believe, you know, I, I wouldn't hear the TV. Uh, so they, God bless Donald Trump and all his tweets and how they're all just there forever. Uh, because, <laughs> because he said something which is so awesome. When after I heard this quote, if we all heard this quote of him saying, I'm not going to own it, we're not going to own it. They dug up his November 2013 tweet that said, leadership. Whatever happens, you're responsible. If it doesn't happen, you're responsible. The words of Donald Trump. Oh, man. If it does happen, if it doesn't happen, you're responsible. That's leadership, according to him. And meanwhile, I'm watching a conservative pundit. But that pundit. was him back then, not today. A conservative pundit. And this was the quote. I don't remember which one it was. I, I went by the TV. I should have written down. But, you know, obviously, one of the people on Fox News, Trump has, the, has, Trump has to sell the plan. He's the most powerful influence, but he has to understand it to sell it, you know? And yeah. so they even see it too. Yeah. They see that he has no idea what he's talking about. Nope. I don't, honey, in defense of Trump, I don't mm. think any of them understand their plan. No, they don't. And I'll tell you why. Let's go to the way back. And machine. I'll tell you why. Mm. Because well. the plan is all about giving a tax break to the wealthy. And they know that they can't- And getting rid of Medicaid. But the reason why they're getting rid of Medicaid is to transfer that money as tax breaks for the top two tenth of the one percent. They would say the, giving it back to the people who earned, who are hard earned, weren't you know hard earners of it. But yes, I know, I agree with you. Well, I would. So I, now we're getting to because I think that people who pay taxes are the hard earners of it and that's not and that's not who's getting it back. Well we, we the top one percent right. is getting it back. But so yeah, I mean but the but the reason why they can't explain it, the reason why it's confusing and if you talk they don't want to give health care they want to give right. And if you talk to people, you know, this is always people who support Trump or, you know, this, they're like, well, it's complicated. It's complicated. I, I, you know, I can't talk about it because it's complicated. And I'm like, it's complicated for us reason for you to say that because really things are very simple when they're straightforward and they work. But the straightforward truth is this is not about giving people health care. It is about taking money that's spent on Healthcare that's taxpayer money and giving that taxpayer money to as a tax break or subsidies to the top 1%. And they can't be straightforward about that because then they wouldn't have support. So they say things like this is infringing on our freedom or it's bad or Ob- just attach Obama to it in any form but they don't even nobody on their side even really understands it much less trump (laughs) it's true i have one question Mm -hmm. how does giving 4.6 billion with a b billion dollars to the walton family help a poor person with cancer 
If you can answer that question, I will exactly. shut my mouth up for the next four years. You will never hear another peep out of me so about coming, medical care, ever. So coming up, we're going to go to the Wayback Machine and show again how the Republicans got here and, and explain what they still believe. And Trump has a solution for it all, at least in his words. Yes, there's a solution for it all. This is Jeff's World, where social, political, popular, and unpopular culture is seen through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. I got this feeling inside my bones. This is Jeff's World, the independent state of mind, where we look at this gorgeous country in all its complicated glory and love her exactly the way she is. I'm Jeff Stein, along with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick, and oh, here's little Trevor Noah. The problem is the Trump administration is allergic to facts. (laughs) In a piece for today's Washington Post, the White House challenged the expected CBO score, arguing the American people and Congress should give this prediction little weight. So CBO doesn't even capture those individuals who say to the federal government, I don't want the plan that you think I need. I want the plan that I know I need. We really think that the CBO estimate should stick to their budgetary numbers and not trying to forecast the number of people on insurance. The White House put out a 45-second spot attacking the Congressional Budget Office for being inaccurate. Mm. The video, which was deleted, shows a mis- spelling of the word inaccurately. Oh! I, I feel like the whole point oh. of saying inaccurate is that you would spell it. I mean, <laughs> at the same time, though, I feel like what they do care about is whether they'll have health care next year. And instead of focusing on the numbers, Trump's team says we should focus on what we believe. Let me be clear. President Trump and I believe the Senate health care bill strengthens and secures Medicaid for the neediest in our society. We believe we're going to be able to cover more individuals on this bill than are currently covered. Now, I know that's counterintuitive to folks that have been reading other headlines, but the goal is to get every single American covered and have access to the kind of coverage that they want. Yes, we believe everyone's going to be covered. Some by insurance, some by the sheets that the coroners place over them yeah. because they can't afford health care. Uh, believe. This is a big part of the equation. Eight, for, is believe. 18,000 18, people a year is the conservative estimate. 18,000 more who will die. More dead Americans a year. For lack of insurance. For lack or, of insurance. Or incomplete insurance, yeah. Interestingly yeah. enough, you, 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 you are in agreement with most Trump supporters. The 80 plus percent of Trump supporters agree that this health care bill will only hurt people. So, uh, so you know, why are they attempting to force it on the American well, people? Well, that's their mistake. And here, and here we go. Here's why. Now we're going to go. If right. been, I've been teasing the way back machine. And let's do it. So, uh, you know, grabbing this from video, you won't know the years of each one. But this is some of these come from about 2013, 2011, 2015, all before, obviously, the election of Donald Trump. There's only one way to truly fix Obamacare. Right. Only one way. And that's a full repeal. A full repeal. That's been our goal from the start. That's our goal now. And we plan to achieve it. 2013. It's clear that any serious attempt to improve our health care system must begin with full repeal and replacement of Obamacare. Mission and I remain fully committed to fighting on behalf of the people of Arizona. Repealing Obamacare's poorly crafted and misguided mandates and replacing the law with a fiscally responsible reform bill that contains costs and provides more choices is the best path forward. You can't repair this monstrosity. You've got to Senator tear Graham. it down and start all over again. How do you get to that point, though? When they lose elections. 
And you think that's the key, that the Republicans have to take the Senate, and from that point you can yeah. have a different strategy? Yeah, the ones who survive in 2016 or up in 2016 are going to have a different attitude. And this is what real people are going through, which is why they put together 62,000 strips of paper to make their point to their congressmen. And so I say that in that framing because I want to redirect you to the theme again, which is we need to focus more on what we want instead of we don't want. And I can I can agree with you okay. guys on identifying that problem. Uh, but we Here's also this is why I am going to make sure Senate Bill 562 is passed. Exactly. Yeah. Because like I I don't want to die. I, do, I, I, I would prefer to stick around. Well, fortunately, you're in California, and you're going to be good to go, because even if they totally got it on a national level, California's going to step up. Even with Rendon being a turd right now, uh, if they if they pass this and repealed Obamacare tomorrow, uh, it would change overnight in California. Uh, you know, so but that's another story. These are all what ifs, and, and you're going to be fine here in California. I'm going to be, but f- your story is representative of folks in Alabama who aren't going to be fine. Who people. aren't going to be fine. You know, this is the number one reason for um, bankruptcies in the United that's States. Right. It's it's medical on sudden medical uh, bills. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The people getting struck with cancer. Or- do, you know, do you know how many other countries in the civilized world have this problem? Yeah. Just go ahead. Take. Do you want to take a guess? Tell number? us. None. Well, I mean, maybe some smaller countries. But you're right. Every industrialized and nation the, that, every has, industrialization uh, that has, has socialized medicine, healthcare. universal Nobody gets wiped out by the right. nonsense. Yeah. I read a fascinating article. I'll try to put it on the Facebook page that, that talked would... about our evolution there because how America got to a point to hate it so much. And it is a fascinating evolution. We had it went through some really weird political machinations that just kept building upon themselves. And so that even conservative plans like Obamacare are rejected by conservatives. You know, it's just it's just kooky. Um, it's beyond kooky. But now it's greed and it's, it's greed. money, and it keeps coming back to that one. It's enemy politics too, and it's tribalism. It's everything. It's tribalism because you know, and and we're going to get to get again get deeper into the into the mind of these folks that are that so, are falling the category of deplorables. Yeah. Which, but uh, but Donald Trump had a uh, an answer to this that I wanted to okay because right. he his he has supposedly have a solution of how oh, he's going to get healthcare through. Fantastic. Because, well, he promised it to his voters. Well, let's hear healthcare it. for he everyone and cheap. So the way I look at it is, in eighteen, we're going to have to get some more people. People elected. We have to go out and we have to get more people elected that are Republican. And we have to probably pull in those people, those few people that voted against it. I don't know. They're going to have to explain to you why they did. And I'm sure they'll have very fine reasons. But we have to get more Republicans elected because we have to get it done. We got it passed in the House. So uh, we we want we want I think we're going to do very well, actually, in 18. I would be not surprised if something were done long before that. But in any event, because the margin is so small, the majority margin is so small, we're going to have to go out and get more Republicans elected in 18. And I'll be working very hard for that to happen. <laughs> really? Okay? And it would be nice to have Democrat support, but really they're obstructionists. Uh, they have no <laughs> ideas. They have no thought process. All they want to do is obstruct government and obstruct, period. And in this case, think of it, uh, so many good things, we didn't get one vote, and their plan has failed. And by the way, Obamacare isn't failing. It's failed. It's gone. So uh, I think something's going to happen. We'll find out. Stay tuned. Thank you all very much. That, that, that tweet went out, and the Twitterverse had fun with that. I think something's going to happen. You know, it's just so sad and so ridiculous. His answer to a burning fire is to is to get more arsonists, basically. And uh, it's 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 not his answer to a fire, Jeff, is to go get coat hangers and marshmallows. Right? <laughs> he's going to s'more it up. He doesn't right? care if the building burns. Right. Because he's got one in Saudi Arabia he can go to. But here's or, the thing. Or Dubai. 
on on the plus side, and, and there are many plus sides because even in the in the mind of, of the of the Trump voter who you think, oh, we you know we can't even reach them, actually you'd be surprised how much they're getting it because they're on the. I mean, obviously the big broader polling you don't get too deep, but when the uh, the psychologists and the pollsters sat down with folks, you guys were asking about follow up questions and asked some of these folks. First thing that came out was that um, amongst Trump, Trump supporters. Which do you prefer, Obamacare or the Republican health care plan? And 50% said Obamacare, and 24% said the Republican health care plan. They at least get that it's going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, right now, they're waging war on the Republicans. And so uh, we're coming up here. I want to talk about uh, the new, the most hated person in this country. And again, it is not Donald Trump. This is Jeff's World. First things first, I'm going to say all the This is Jeff's World. Here's my cheesiest line. The purple state of mind with the amber <laughs> airwaves of grain. I love that one. I'm just going to keep it. saying it. I don't care. I don't care how corny and stupid it's, it is. It's so colorful. <laughs> That's Jeff Hendrick. Also, Erica <laughs> Ferris. And, of course, Executive Brian just popped by to check on Woo-hoo! us. Hi, he, Brian. He always brings news. He goes, did you read this? Did you see this? Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the one he just pointed out, I, have to, I don't have a mic for you there, Brian, to, to let you in here. But he was saying that um, Donald Trump has now uh, got in front of those, one of those cameras and said that he never said repeal and replace. <laughs> is that what you, is that what you're, you saw this video? So, and there it is, right? And this is actually the perfect intro into this next part of it, which is, again, the echo bubble. And how do we get into this in the Republican Civil War? Because right now, I after that vote in the healthcare just in, you know, this week, wow! When I scanned the Drudge Report and Breitbart and Fox News, it was an all-out Republican civil war. Stuff it's, just it, went crazy. It's out a there. circular firing squad right now, man. They're just shooting at everybody for any reason they can think of. Yeah, it's crazy, and 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 it's in a way that because you know, they don't have anyone to blame themselves. Again, this no. is an example of which top of the show. If you focus more on what you don't want than what you do want, and that's, what you're, the, gonna that's get. what you're going to get. Well, I just want to point out the positive, the bright side of Donald Trump coming out and saying that he never said repeal and replace. <laughs> and that is, you know, back when I first met you, Jeff Stein, and the Bush administration. Yep. Was ruling and was going you into know, wars. You, you would talk about like we would talk about. Okay, they're lying. There are no weapons of mass destruction, and you just like and you're talking to Bush supporters, and you felt like, oh my god, am I crazy? Because you know, here's what this is, report is saying, and here's this fact, and they said this, and then they said this, and they're like, nope, that never happened, and you're just like, what? But this has gotten to the point of comic absurdity when trump says he never said repeal and replace when he's probably said it thousands of times times. every campaign stopped two or three times yeah yeah, we're not crazy yeah everyone knows it i can't believe i'm listening to a little phone i never said repeal and repose replace i never said it He's just parsing through. Yeah. But, so it's like, we know we're not the crazy wow. ones. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And I think even they know now we're not the crazy ones because <laughs> they would cheer and applaud every time he said repeal and replace it. Yeah. So his base heard it a thousand times, applauded it, yeah. cheered for it. So now even to his base, when he says he's never said that, their brain has to be going, huh? So we would hope. what I love that's happening 
is the thoughtful analysis of it all of like, okay, so what is really going on? And, and, and I've read, I've read so many articles. I melted my eyes, uh, reading these various articles, like one that just in the New Yorker today from, uh, Peter Hessler, uh, we went into rural Colorado, all over Colorado, which if you don't know about Colorado, Boulder and Denver, uh, went 200,000 votes more for Hillary. And then the rest of the state went 100,000 votes more for Trump. And so in Colorado, it drives them nuts. Conservatives drives them nuts because the, because, you know, land wise, 90 something percent of the state is all Trump. And then, you know, Boulder and Denver says, sorry, we got more people. And trust me, the conservatives there, because I've been there, they don't like Boulder and Denver. No, they hate Boulder and Denver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for all the... Except for the games. Except they for, go see the Broncos play. Yeah, except for the games. <laughs> and their public school and the power, system... And the public school system. ...is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they give zero... I mean, so yeah. much of that money comes from the marijuana dispensaries yeah. that they estimated would make a certain amount, and they were wrong in their estimated because it made, like five times the amount in yeah. taxes that's all like their public schools are amazing but they so, had a they had a referendum uh, about a year and a half ago in Colorado where they said okay we have all this pot money we didn't expect and i mean we have buckets of pot money yeah. would you all like a refund a little yeah. small refund or would you like to pay for the school system for the next couple of years and to their credit conservatives and Liberals. liberals alike in Colorado said, oh, yeah, God, give it to the kids. Give it to the schools. Yeah. I don't need a couple hundred extra bucks. Thank Let's- you for focusing on the beauty. That's so, awesome. There it is. Wait, um, so I got to highlight. Thank you so much for that. And yeah. that is a thing where, you know, that is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. where the people can come together. Because like you yeah. said, it wasn't just liberals. That was conservatives, and too. Everybody said That you- is the polar. Those conservatives, that is the polar opposite of saying, why should I pay for anybody's health care insurance? Correct. Correct, because... That's just... But it's like, because, you know, those conservatives, a lot of them are older, don't have kids, but they're like, you know what? Let's fund the... the so, but here's what's going on. Smart kids make a smart country. That's right. <laughs> Education is the... I mean, if, you, if you're a conservative and you love founding fathers, uh, I could line up 20 quotes talking about if you an educated populace oh, is my, the key. Yeah. So, uh, the polling and the studying comes up with a few broad conclusions. Because, again, I, I've parsed through so much stuff, it would take an entire show to just kind of talk to you about the particulars. But one of the, the broad strokes is that voters in Trump counties, as the headline you guys can see here, they like his policies, hate his style. <laughs> Which is bizarre, because you would think it would be the exact opposite. His policies are crap. Well, His they, style is all nice and shiny and, and stupid-making. And like, oh, I guess we're all doing okay. Right? But, so here's the, But here's the part two of it. Right, ah, exactly. Right. You caught that first part of it. Right. It was like, because everybody hears that and goes, wait a minute. Right. And then had the objection. Like, I don't even know his policies. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm well, going to make a greater, bigger, best, better, it is best, make it great again. Mm, but what are the policies? No. So they've been doing a lot of discussion about the evolution of where it goes from here, right? Because first they say, okay, we love his policies, but hate his style. And okay, well, that's good. Because the, the, the positive was they, they went to particular things, his Twitter habits, how Lucy is with the truth. And of course, they, all these Trump supporters took the conclusion you would hope they would conclude, which is, yeah, he lies too much. He tweets too much. He's too erratic. He hates people too much. He's not very Christian when he, and he, when he attacks people. They see that. But but okay. they're quite convinced that the policies he's promised are still cooking. Co- they're still cooking. They're still coming. They're still cooked. Okay. Yeah, they're still coming. One, and go ahead. No, and so what they they the great analogy I was reading on different articles, and one of the people said that, that, that as a great study of of how they will evolve as expect they expect them to evolve. They who we um, 
the Trump University example. The folks that went to Trump University to AT, we're Trump lovers. Oh, yeah. yeah they yeah. thought he was the most brilliant real estate developer that ever lived. Right. And they wanted a piece of that. He is yeah. pooped it and stink. And they couldn't wait to hand over their money despite the excessive cost compared to a normal real estate program, right? But they were thrilled. And it was fascinating because they showed how it took a lot for these folks to finally go, I was cheated and he's full of crap. And then eventually, of course, led to litigiousness. And even some of the, even talked about how some of them were reluctant to sue because they're like, no, nah, I, I, they just wanted to believe that he couldn't have been as fraudulent as he clearly was. Also, they want to believe that they weren't as susceptible to that yeah. fraud, I think, is another right? part of it. There's pride, you just, there's you got the second part of the psychology, yes, which is you attach to your identity the fear of being right. fooled. Right. Being fooled makes, your, makes you look bad, makes you feel worthless, makes you feel like the dummy. Okay, so then that's what you're saying. Even if, like, in the minds of Trump supporters, if there starts to be an inkling of, is this gee, not working? Yeah, like you know, like he was all against the TPP. That was something I supported him and with. For infrastructure and, I, and for fixing the social. Right, he, and he supported universal health care and single payer. There's quotes of him. Oh yeah, right. He was a Democrat until 2009. And, uh, I know. <laughs> so those are the things, but you know? so. So, like, even with like Carrier, you know, he saved yeah. that he he said that he saved twelve hundred jobs, ex- except that they're sending their jobs over to Mexico, right. and now he's drafted TPP like NAFTA, you know, trade policies that are right. going to benefit his and Ivanka's manufacturing in Mexico and Canada. But so, so you're saying like once they start realizing. Wow, um, he's not doing any of the things that he said, or he's not doing most of them. They still can't let themselves go for because then that's admitting that they were taken, that they were misled. And you have to have a really healthy ego to say, you know what? I was, I was, I was fooled. I was wrong. Um, and, and, and and, there's a, yes. So, but if you don't have a healthy ego, you're never going to be able to admit that, and you're going to double down on he's, you know. So yeah. where so, where's the bottom then? Is my question right? So we talked. They, they yeah. talk a lot about the bottom. Okay. Yeah. So even somebody coined this phrase of a concept, a regret quotient, <laughs> that was very interesting. And uh, because when they analyzed them, they were asking folks, "Do you have any regret? Any regret? Any regret yet?" And they said they had no regret because, as the pollsters dissected down, they see. Opposition of Donald Trump as unfair, fake, and preventing him from being effective, right? Good so they still God. see that he is going to do it, even though he's crass and he's ugly and he's messy, you know, like that dirty uncle who, who can help you, you know, build a barn, but he stop, won't stop swearing, right? They see him as being this mixed guy. They do see that. But they still think that he's in process, right? So that's the first part. They haven't come to the regret part. They're still okay. in the, I love him. I want him to be what I thought he is and I, what I believe he is. So they're okay? pretty much still at the, he beats me because he loves me part of the show. Right. Okay. And so there's another convergence here too. And that is, is that a lot of the folks who attach themselves to Donald Trump, and this was exemplified in a great article about how they embodied the word deplorables. Remember deplorables, Hillary Clinton, right? And on the left, in the middle, and certainly myself, I didn't feel it. I was like, well, it's just a silly little comment. What difference does it make? I thought it was shitty. It, Oops, bleep yeah, myself. I'll, yeah, thank you. We got the bleep. And so <laughs> they 
uh, thought it was obviously that word. Um, but they took it more than other people did. And it was like, why do they own it? So much so. In Colorado in particular, this great article talks about how they would throw, hold these deplora balls, right? And on inauguration, it was a deplora ball. And so the psychologists jump in and said, well, this is very explainable. They see themselves, a lot of Trumps are not, not all of them, obviously. So if you're a Trump supporter, I'm not saying this is you. But part of this convergence is, is the people that were drawn to Trump were those parts of this population who have felt entirely rejected and rejectable. They have felt like the people who were called worthless. And because they felt worthless, as soon as Hillary Clinton said deplorable, they kind of owned it because it's resonated so true with how sick they are of being called that, they went ahead and said war. And, and, and in a positive sense, before you go in there, Jeff, in a positive sense, it's the same way that sometimes like the African-American community r- nullified the word N-I-G-G-E-R and gay folks uh, would adopt queer and this sort of things because they wanted to go ahead and, uh, and take that word, no. which, which, which hit a no. sore spot, and no. flip it. No, no, <laughs> okay. no, All right. no. All right. Okay? No. Because those two terms that were put upon them, queer... And N I G W E R, those are pejorative terms. Hillary well, deplorables is, deport- is pejorative. Own it. You want to be a racist? You want to be a sexist? You want to be a xenophobe? You are a deplorable. Own it. Lace that puppy up, and you wear that ugly, smelly, stinky shoe because you've earned it. Okay, these are your political stripes. These are your political parties that you've backed. These are the political things that you have said, I want to do this to my fellow Americans. I want to take health care away from people that are poor. I want to put people that are in color in prison again. I want to take their stuff. Guess what? You are a goddamn deplorable if that's what you believe. Own it. Own that. So now... No. You know what? No. Because if I'm going to be called some idiotic liberal, I will own that because I happen to think being an idiotic liberal is a goddamn good thing to be. I want... I want people to have more. I want people to feel secure. I want people to not be afraid that our country is going to go into some idiotic war and get my nephew killed. That's what I want. Now, if that makes me a liberal, fine. But guess what? If you are a racist, a xenophobe, someone who hates women, you're kind of deplorable, and you've got to wear that. Well, you're reinforcing the point, though. uh, because What? What point? uh, Your behavior wills you out, Jeff. If that's how you behave, then that's what you're going to get called. Well, if you become an exclusive, a person that's exclusionary, no. then you are doing what they do. Because they're excluding you because you're a libtard, snowflake. And when you exclude them because you see them as a deplorable racist who can't be changed and there's no hope for you to, to come around. Never said that. Never said that. What? No, no. Never said, never said that. You're categorizing a little? No. Okay. I'm saying if you embrace that and that's what you feel, then you have to own that phrase. But if you're looking to evolve and to be better and to encompass more feelings from other people and, in, 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 you know, better. better and relate to your like fellow man, fine. Okay. But if you're going to be stuck in that behavior pattern, then you've got to own that because that's where you're living. So how do you bring around a racist? Now, assuming you can't, maybe you can't bring a racist. Okay, oh, you can. That's obviously the premise. Oh, you can. But the point is, 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 is we, again, have to be the better angels people. We have to then rise you, to you this. Invite, you invite and, somebody to dinner. That's how it... Okay. That's how it oh, happened. Oh, you know what? You just got to one of the punchlines. That's what happened with um, the guy who used to run Stormfront. His son was yeah. supposed to be taking over. Uh, Don, I think it's Don Black is the head of Stormfront. And his son was the heir apparent, had been doing radio shows and racist nonsense with him since he was eight years old. He goes off to a liberal college, and he starts having dinner 
every Thursday night with a Jewish classmate. And it takes him three years for him to finally come out of his own little shell and say, hey, here's who my dad is. This is my past. And to their credit, his dinner companions just said, then we're even more proud of you for being here and breaking bread with us, knowing that that is your past. And that is what has been brought into your soul and into your consciousness. And you are choosing, as a person of free will, to explore and to leave that, that hate and that prejudice. And you're looking at someone who has a different uh, amount of melanin in their skin. And they're slightly darker than you. And you're saying, you know what? This doesn't matter because I've broken bread with you. And we have way more in common than we do not. Erica's dying to talk. That's that's what can happen. If it can happen to that kid, it can happen to any one of us. So... There's my hope. Good. But I think that that is a little bit of your point, Stein. If that Jewish classmate had seen that guy walking up and been like, whoa, you're a racist and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hang out with you, get the F out, then, you know, that person would have never had the opportunity to make that change. So, so it, I think that was like, it's, it's interesting how it can perpetuate itself, right? right? The rejection mm-hmm. of one group right. by another group right. keeps Ding. both groups separated and allows for very little crossover except for exceptions to the rule. But taking, you know, that out of it, I'm kind of having a personal revelation as you're speaking. So I was talking with someone earlier who is a Trump supporter, and clearly I'm not. And, you know, as I, w- I was like, well, you know, t- name me the things that Trump has done that has supported, you know, the common person. And this is not a wealthy person. This is, you know, a working person. Anyway, but somewhere in the conversation, this this person said to me, um, well, we both know I'm worthless. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Did, I said, where did that come from? I said, I, I said, you by saying we both know that that's bringing me into um, an implication that I said that or believe that. And there's nothing that I said that I would, you know, agree that that has happened. But what I'm getting from this conversation is. People who identify as Trump supporters, I think when they're talking with people who are adamantly opposed to Trump, like myself, they are thinking that I'm judging them because of their support of Trump in that way. But I think really she's been judging herself as worthless and then was you know it was i became an easy target to somehow project that on because um you know i i don't support trump but but you know and and it's just but that was how she was feeling about herself because i have lots of family members who i love and adore who you know do support trump um and and i there's there's, I don't get any animosity from them, right. and I don't feel it for that. Like it's not, it doesn't seem to be going back it's, and forth. But it's fascinating that that her almost immediate response was to denigrate herself and say, "Well, I'm worthless," and this person that I now admire is seeming to lift me up. And I think that's the great con 
that Trump has pulled off is he has found people that don't have a lot of self-worth that he's he's engendering. Well, he's taken the downtrodden and said, I will I will trod the people who trod you down. Right, which is interesting because... <laughs> which, again, not helping. Which is also interesting and fascinating to me because Trump has never been downtrodden his entire life, a day in his, no. a minute, a, a nanosecond so, in his entire life. You know, to, to, to further on what you said, you know, last show we talked about how a majority of Republicans believe that colleges and universities are a negative effect on the country. And we heard that and went, wow, okay, that's pretty heavy. But it fits exactly into this mold. After the show, I thought about it and I went, oh, well, of course. If you feel judged and rejected by elite college people, what are you going to do? Right, but you're going to think college is bad for but you. That's such it's a little, bad for the country because it ruins I, it. I know, no, 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 I'm not saying it's right. No, no, no. But, but we're I'm, in a I'm, circle of self-rejection and self-worth. But I'm saying the the ultimate irony about that that coming from, for lack of a better term, the Republican elite is those clowns that are perpetuating this myth all went to the same colleges right. as the people that they're denigrating. Right. They all went to Yale. They yes, went to Harvard. They all went to Ivy League schools. It doesn't he, matter. But they're different. They went to the schools and figured it out. They didn't. They weren't sucked into the, the, the hate. Ah! They see it. They, that's what they think. They weren't sucked into the judgment. So the, the, the final analysis, because coming up we've got to do uh, the, uh, okay. the stuff on Russia. Hey, Russia, Russia, Ooh. Russia. But uh, the final analysis, some of the things that, that, were, that were gleaned out of it, because people say, well, because the analysts, the psychologists, the anthropologists, the sociologists, <laughs> all the yogists are trying, all those annoying liberal elites or whatever you want to say. Uh, and they weren't. These are conservatives analyzing conservatives because – Bunch of down eggheads. It's fascinating because I've been watching this saying even though there is a conservative – there's a civil war in the Republican Party. There's also a bit of an awakening because there's a lot of folks that are trying to figure out uh, wh- uh, what the hell is going on. Right. And one of the things they figured out is they said, well, what's the solution? Of course, what's the solution? They won't listen to media that doesn't fit what they Their believe, narrative, right. right? And so does a lot on the left too. That's not a unique thing, of course. And they won't uh, be swayed by polls or evidence or facts or anything. And it comes back down to they all kind of agreed all these different articles that it's going to come down to families and neighbors. It's going to come down to people chatting with each other, which, of course, reinforced their fear that there are a lot of little communities where the groupthink is so pervasive it's going to be a generation potentially. But there's more than enough places where people are starting to talk to each other. And then when, when you say to somebody, your friend at the bar stool, and said, well, Don Jr. never met with Russians. Well, actually, he admitted to meeting with Russians. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's true. And that's how it slips in. But more importantly, it slips in because people stop judging everyone for where they are or who they are. And the, the job on our people, on our side of those like in this room who don't have a favor, who, who see Trump as, a, as, a, <laughs> as what we think we see him as, we have to look at our Trump supporter friends, and I try to do the best I can, and say, hey, um, I'm going to try to understand where you're coming from. And if you're coming from this place of, I am so sick of being rejected, I'm so sick of being kept out of the game, I'm so sick of this, and Donald Trump swore we were going to get us back in the game. I'll go, oh, like I told my one of my friends I was bantering with on Facebook, a Trump supporter, I said, well, I look forward to seeing it evolve. You know, because what else can you say? Because it's going to, they have to go from, I love this guy, to realize He's cheated me, and he's not real. And I can't convince him of that. No, you no I stopped trying to convince them that they've been cheated. That is a self-awareness thing. You cannot. You can, you can, you can yeah. goose it's it. It's like alcoholism. You can, goose it. you can goose it, but you can't make it come to fruition. I have an expression when I do my comedy consciousness thing is that you can cheat me, but I will never feel cheated. That is a choice. You choose right. to feel cheated. And the choice, choose to feel cheated, choice to feel cheated is what hurts. 
That's what's so hard to swallow. You don't have to choose that. You can say, I believed in what Donald Trump said, and I did too, in the sense that infrastructure, like we talked about, infrastructure, the healthcare, the getting, keeping Wall Street out of uh, you know, everyone's business in terms of, and keeping in Wall Street's business. And of course, he didn't do any of those things. All right. So uh, we can keep going with this, but we got to keep going. So coming up, uh, where the Russian scandal is and the amazing things that Bob Mueller is doing. And I do, I want to play this clip about where the future seems to be going for our country. And it is big and it is life-changing. And I think it is a good uh, look into the future. This is Jeff's World. I see you thinking twice. Wish I could read your mind. This is Jeff's World, the home of truth, justice, sarcasm, laughs, and epiphanies. <laughs> All while looking the American way. I'm Jeff Stein. That's it. It's Jeff Hendrick, Erica Ferriston. Hello. And uh, let me uh, read a tweet from Donald Trump. God bless dun, the internet dun, and, dun, and dun, the history dun, of tweets. Dun, dun. This one's this one's way back in September of 2012 <laughs> when he was talking about um, health care. Ah. Ah. Obama's complaints about Republicans stopping his agenda are BS. Since he had full control for two years, he can never take responsibility. Sad. So. Wow. There it is. Donald Trump, listen to your own tweet. You have full control for two years, presumably, until you get impeached or something. And uh, so you have no one to blame but yourself. You created your own leadership problem. But one of the things we were saying off the air before we came back on is where it, what's the end game for Mitch McConnell? By the way, that was the tease at the top of the show. The most hated man in America today is not Donald Trump. It is Mitch McConnell. Wow. Uh, I, I and, think that's very unfair. I've been uh, nothing but I've been trying very hard. Very hard for American people. Because they hate him in the Republican caucus. Um, and, oh, my gosh, one of the things that came this morning is that, you know, uh, Rush Limbaugh and company, the Civil War ramped up when they started attacking and getting real sexist, I don't want, want to dignify his comments to the airwaves, against Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, and M- M- Shelley Moore Cap- Capito, who were the three Republican women senators who openly said, I'm not voting to repeal it entirely. Because yeah. they literally went, Mitch McConnell's strategy, after being rejected this horrible health care bill, he went to, it's like the old joke where they say is, uh, you know, the girl turned you down when you asked her for a kiss, so you said, well, then can I grab your boobs? It's like, no. <laughs> you can't even have a kiss. I and don't you want to grab thing. boobs? Oh, no, it's, it's, he cleaned it up for the air. It's, I, yeah. it's much naughtier. And so, yeah. <laughs> that and, must just be a saying among you males, because right, I've never heard that. It's, it's very wrong. But the point is, is that here's Mitch McConnell, <laughs> yeah. who I can't get through this turd bill that has a 12% approval rating amongst my own freaking base. Uh, so I'll you know repeal it entirely. It's never going to work. What is amazing to me is he has done that which he vilified. Yes, he took in secret with twelve other rich white male people. Yeah, and he crafted health care that, that Christian that get that, that it's one sixth of the economy, and he had no input for an entire half of the political spectrum. And the Washington reporters actually were saying that they weren't even showing up. That those 13 folks, they weren't even all attending it. You're kidding. Wow. Yeah, that there was even partial attendance that most of them, like Tom Cotton, he didn't attend most of them. You know, oh. all these, they didn't even go. And so Mitch McConnell just basically, he and two people, John Cornyn and John Thune maybe, wrote this said, bill. hey, wrote this bill to get rid of Medicaid. It was a turd. So anyway, we wanted to get we know we know all that. I can I can assure you if you're listening to this, you know, well you're obviously are, you're hearing me. Um you this is not going anywhere. There's no way they're going to be able to pull this off. 
And the reason is because is Mitch McConnell, they both, they've backed themselves. And I never thought they'd ever get this corner painted deep enough that they would actually get stuck in it. But they are. See, the nice thing about him uh, and Murkowski is she has been on the uh, interior Department of the Interior Affairs for a very long time. Yeah. And she has a lot of First Nations folks in Alaska. Yeah. And they have horrid living conditions. They have horrible water conditions. They have horrible medical conditions. And she looked at the bill that McConnell had proposed. And opioid issues, too, by and the way. Crazy opioid yeah. issues up there. And so she's saying, look, you're cutting billions. This is going to wipe people off the face of the earth, Mitch. And he said, well, all right, well I'll, give you, uh, I'll give you $28. Then. So he gave, he, his bribe to her was less than half of what he was cutting. Right. And also, he backed her opponent in her last election. So Murkowski <laughs> owes Mitch nothing. Yeah. And he will get nothing from her because... But this is the Civil War. Well, people are starting they, to actually... Um, I think... God forbid that that Republicans are actually starting to figure out that maybe they should represent their constituents. I mean, listen to Scarborough piece. I know we say Scarborough, you know, but he was he did a Washington Post op-ed. I did not leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left its senses. The political movement that once stood athwart history, resisting bloated government and military adventurism, has been reduced to an amalgam of talk radio resentments. President Trump's Republicans have devolved into a party without a cause, dominated by a leader hopelessly ill-informed about the basics of conservatism, U.S. history, and the Constitution. America's first Republican president, Lincoln obviously, reportedly said, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. The current Republican president and the party he controls were granted monopoly power over Washington in November and already find themselves spectacularly failing Abraham Lincoln's character exam. Wow. Bada boom, Those are some, bada bang. Them some fighting words. And again, the front page of everything was Mitch McConnell needs to go. I mean, it's all this, the attacks on him. and the, But here's the fi- circular firing squad you're mentioning, right? right? So Mitch McConnell says, how do I go forward? It looks like the way they're going to go forward is move on. Nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. And that's so going to kill just, them, too. They're going to leave it dead on the side of the road? I, if, it, the thing is, is if they manage to somehow twist enough arms to get this through, it would end the Republican Party. Because if they actually got rid of health care, then their base really would flock you away. Would, you, would see, you would see another march on Washington. You would see another Hoover's army. But this is why I don't think it's going to happen, too. Because even if they pull that off... It still takes a minute to get to the president's desk. Well, then all those crowds of wheelchairs and IVs and people in motorized, you know, wheelchairs and things and prosthetics are going to go to the White House and they're going to stand out in front of and follow Donald Trump around all day. Oh, no, but that's where you're wrong. Because he's on the golf course at Mar-a-Lago. Well, that's true, so too. So he won't see them at the but White But they'll follow House. him to Mar-a-Lago. They will follow him everywhere. And he hasn't had that because he's had the luxury of the Republicans in Congress being the boogeyman right now. And You're absolutely right. He has not really taken the hit on this, has he? Yeah. He has had no pressure yet, and that's one of the beautiful parts about this, is it just keeps simmering so up. So where, where does the bill, is it just dead? And yeah, I, well, there the, 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 the seems to be, the chatter I'm reading in all the pages on the Hill and what have you is being is that he's just going to try to make it go away and then move on to tax cuts and move on to, you know, quote-unquote so infrastructure, just, which they won't just, do. But, but there's still, but there's still, like when I mentioned earlier, cutting the... That's just one example, teen pregnancy prevention programs, which, by yeah. the way, um, greatly affected, you know, the First Nations people because yeah. they were some of the beneficiaries of this program. But, you know, yeah. that's how they're 
And I think that's what Obama, I mean, uh, Trump means by making Obamacare fail by just, you know, taking an axe and cutting this and cutting that. And And obviously the base, his base does not like it when he says, let Obamacare fail. They've been able to dismiss it as like, well, he's just being a negotiator. He's trying to play hardball with them. But if he really does let it fail, which is, again, you've just pointed out, he's taking steps to do so. It's one sixth of the economy. Of the economy. The president of the United States is saying... Let fail. Just yeah. let that let sink fail. in. Let that sink in for just two seconds. The leader of our country is asking one sixth of the economy to go in the toilet. And the reason why is because he says it will force the Democrats to come to the table. It's like, what do you mean Democrats come to the table? Democrats are waiting for you to. It's funny. Even Lindsey Graham says, "I'd just like to see a bill I could, that that everybody doesn't hate." You yeah. know, it's like he even knows everybody hates Dude, it. When when Miss Lindsay is the voice of reason in the room, I know. What do you? What <laughs> so do you? what happens? So let's say he does bring it back, and there is a possibility Yikes. he'll bring a vote up because because he they already passed this. They did. I don't know if you people won't pay attention. As soon as they took over the Senate, the Republicans. As soon as they took over the Senate in 2015, they passed a repeal. Yeah. They 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 all, they got almost all the senators. I think all 52 went repeal. Now of course they knew that Obama would veto it. So it was a purely symbolic vote. But it, again, it's this representation of years of focusing on what they don't want and trying to destroy something and now they're in charge of it. They don't got it. So so Well, they- this is though where I kind of disagree with you guys or go off on mm-hmm. a different path. I you know, there were some points that Trump said that I agree with earlier in that, you know, I'm sorry, but for the Democrats to just, you know, resist, resist, resist. And I, I get that they're trying to preserve the ACA and I, I support that. I personally think the ACA was a good first step yeah. and that the next step is universal health care because right. there are the problems with it and you still have a tremendous amount of people who are unemployed. But the the Democrat Party has to do something for the people. They can't just resist. They're not they though. Have... They've been saved. I'm not to defend the Democrats, but Bernie and many of the other senators did introduce Medicare for all. Yes. And of course, it's not heard, and it's not makes the news because since it's controlled by Republicans. Yes, but you don't. Move. You would have think that all the Democrats would have signed on oh, and no. co-signed, and they haven't. It's, yeah, I it's, don't know about that. So we're but... talking about it's John Conyers bill in the house where he has put forth a single payer bill and it's it's ridiculous you know how many democrats haven't signed on as co-sponsors um oh beyond not signing on big 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 time democrats have come out against it yeah you know funny story though diane feinstein says it can't be done pelosi says it can't be done right right Kick, Although Adam Schiff recently signed it, thanks to Good. one of our local people, Lauren Steiner. Want to talk about grill. following somebody? She yeah, was buddy. like, "Enough with the Russia. Here's something real." And, <laughs> right? And she said, "You told me, and you didn't, and da da da." And he was like, "So do you want to interview me on, sh- on your show?" Nope. And then after that, he signed it. <laughs> <laughs> so coming up, I'm going to show where the Republican Party has jumped the shark and where they've peeled off. And then again, we want to get into a little bit of the Russia and colluding and conspiracy because that again, we could do three shows out of that. But we'll catch a little bit of that. This is Jeff's world. Do you? This is Jeff's World, where news and life meets optimism and patriotism. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Fairston and Jeff Hendrick, and we wanted to talk one more little little bit about the Republican Civil War. 
because um, what's again, they're the most ineffective Congress in 164 years. Do you mean the, six months now? Do you mean the war of liberal aggression? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is six months, and they haven't passed any. They say major legislation because they've passed little things around the tweaks, but nothing they, nothing that anybody would. They've named a library or two. Yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Because because yeah. Congress always puts through little things that you don't even really notice. They're like, oh, we they cut this funding for teen pregnancy prevention. Well, that's mostly the administration. though. that wasn't Congress, but yes, oh, uh, right. Shoot. That was Sorry, just done just from the executive branch. Yeah, try to give them something. Throw them a little bone. Give them something. <laughs> no, not even that. So what's been happening though is it, again I, I know I wouldn't torture you guys through it, but to watch the, the, the Drudge reports and Breitbart and, and Newsmax and Fox News. By the way, I just want to say I love you for reading that for us. It's fascinating Thank you. though. Well, I have a, a you watch, knee jerk. You read, it's Something amazing. breaks. Thank you. Well, as soon as like when the, when they when we was announced that there was another one hour secret meeting between Putin and you know Trump, where it was just he and the and Putin's translator, uh, I went I jumped over to Fox News and. I was so impressed. It was actually the front page headline, which really? is rarely the case. They usually bury these sorts of things. But what there did, it was. Did, did it say something like Democrats? No, it said, yeah, I know, right? No, <laughs> yeah. it said secret meeting. No, it said undisclosed meeting with Putin at G20 summit. Ooh, it lasted did it an have hour like a line that, yeah. that said Obama's fault? Right, they almost did. <laughs> you know, but they do a lot of things. You know, you see these things like they're trying to blame uh, the Postal Service for helping Hillary uh, in her election. I mean, what? they're still digging this stuff up. Yeah. How? Well, apparently, I know. Good one. Nice song. <laughs> uh, the uh, they improperly postal workers, and it's not even the postal workers. It was the postal worker union because there's a postal worker union, yeah. obviously. They gave the, you can you can go and be and you can work on you can canvas and you can do political things as a postal worker you just can't do it while you're working of course right and so the union and uh, and so the postal worker the postal union helped uh put some money towards it and Fox News identified and did the office of special counsel identified that that could be in violation of the hatch act and so they're fixing that right now and so but that's a story on Fox News because you know Hillary because Hillary and uh, and it's it's so insignificant of course compared to you know Russia colluding but they are talking about that and there is a war there's an open war right now between Sean Hannity and Shepard Smith on Fox News which has been interesting to watch which started because of this moment Shep Smith was talking to Chris um, uh, yeah and he was talking to what was it, Chris Edwards? Michael Chris Wallace and. <laughs> about the ever-evolving story on the Donald Trump Jr. meeting with, you know, the Russians. And so this is here. I'll give you a little paste, taste, and I think it'll say it all. We've been told a, a variety of stories. Uh, we've gotten, and who knows if, we're, if we've gotten to the end of the story. We, we thought we got I, to the end of the I story now know the we emails. Haven't. I now know we, we haven't, because there's news breaking at this moment, Chris. Okay. Fox News can now confirm new, more. Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, the lawyer from Russia, the interpreter, this new guy we found out about today, and a mystery person. John Roberts confirms there was an eighth person in that meeting. We don't know. There may have been more, but there was an eighth. Jared Kushner filled out his form. I think it's an F-86 saying who he'd met with and what he'd done. Very important stuff. You can go to prison for messing it up, you know, intentionally. He went back and added 100 names and places. <laughs> None of these people made it. They, they, they're still not clean. We're still not clean on this, Chris. It's, if there's nothing there, and that's what they tell us, they tell us there's nothing to this and nothing came of it. There's a nothing burger. It wasn't even memorable. Didn't write it down. Didn't tell you about it because it wasn't anything. So I didn't even remember it. 
with a Russian interpreter in the room at Trump Tower. If all of that, why all these lies? Why, why is it lie after lie after lie? If you clean, come on clean, you know? My grandmother used to say, when first we practice to, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. The deception, Chris, is, is mind-boggling. And there are still people who out there who believe we're making it up. And one day they're going to realize we're not and look around and go, where are we? And why are we getting told all these lies? Shep Smith on Fox Shep, News. Shep Smith has been an interesting evolution over the last eight and a half yeah, months yeah. or so. He is really... Well, he's always been a guy that has been able to straight shoot amongst the Fox News crowd. But, to, I mean, you heard that. He's just saying they're going to wake up. He's calling out even what's going to happen with their own supporters that watch this right, show. Right. You're going to wake up and go, where did all this come from? And where are we? And here's one. I'm going to give you one more from Fox News because this was, this was a big moment when Tucker Carlson was called out by one of the Fox analysts who's a colonel. And uh, he's a guy they have on regular who talks about, obviously, uh, international policy, whatever. And they were talking about the collusion. And Tucker Carlson jumped the shark to be an apologist and trying to make it seem like, oh, Russia, no big deal, because that was attacked for about, oh, Russia, no big deal. And, and here's what he said. Point, it's just hard to see why, and I'm not vouching for Putin's character, which he seems ah. like a shady guy, a strong man for sure, wouldn't want to live there. He's a killer. Hard to see why he's a threat to us. And I, how many wars can we fight at once? How many people can, can we be in opposition to at once? Why not just accept that people who are bad people share our interests and side with them? He sounded like Charles Lindbergh in 1938 saying, Hitler hasn't attacked us. I beg your pardon? So no. no. So no. I'm not in any way. You cannot compare me to someone who would make apologies for Hitler. Sure. And I don't think Putin is well, comparable make, to Hitler. I think Putin is. Look, I think it's a Putin, grotesque overstatement. Putin actually. is, well, I think I think Putin, it's insane. Putin, fine. You can think it's insane all you want. You just compared me to a Nazi apologist because I asked a simple question, which is, well, slow down, hero. slow down, no, which no. is, no, why does it contravene American interest because to make common Vladimir cause with a group Putin that's trying to kill ISIS? invaded his neighbors, broken the long peace in Europe, he assassinates dissidents and journalists, he bombs women and children on purpose in Syria, he is as bad as Hitler, and I'm sorry, if, you know, if you don't like the Charles Lindbergh thing, I will retract that. I mean... He tried to be polite, but I mean Tucker Carlson obviously got suddenly offensive. Like you call me a hater apologist, you were. Yeah, you, and so he had you, to. You this, just were. <laughs> this colonel who works in you know obviously intelligence and and then the service had to explain to him that Vladimir Putin is a you know you heard the list. He's not a good guy. This uh, is what's going on on the Fox he, News right now. Even if he's backing the guy you like as president, Vladimir Putin, not a good guy. Just. Hasn't been. He was. An, he's a KGB yeah. strongman. He has been implicated in what two dozen murders now and political assassinations. Oh God, at least, at least. But see, this is this is the tribalism that I've been waiting to play out. We as geeks, Eric and I especially, have had so many conversations of like, how can they not see this? How can they just be so purely tribal that no matter what their guy does, it's perfect? And we've gotten to a point where they're on Fox News defending. Vladimir Putin in order to make Donald Trump yeah, seem legitimate. Yeah, hang on. Let's let's examine that sentence just briefly for a second. Fox News is defending Vladimir Putin. Yeah. That's what's going on on that news station. It's some, but it's cracking. That's the point. That's the It's, it's just, down to Tucker Carlson and old Janine Pirro. Oh god. Jean Pirro. And of course, uh, Seth Meyers had some fun with that. One more of these and then we'll Remember, Trump and his team argued for months that there was absolutely no contact, let alone collusion with Russian agents. But now that the Don Jr. email is out, they've shifted to a new story that if there was collusion, it was totally fine. In fact, today Trump himself tweeted most politicians would have gone to a meeting like the one Don Jr. attended 
in order to get info on an opponent, that's politics. No, it's not. Politics is running attack ads and kissing babies and going down on a corn dog at the Iowa State Fair. <laughs> Rick Perry, everybody. Just because something is political doesn't mean it's just politics. If John Wilkes Booth had shot Lincoln and then went, hey, that's politics, they still would have arrested him. Yeah. But Trump might be getting his cues from his allies on Fox News, who have spent the last few days making a similar argument. Like one of Trump's favorite hosts, Janine Pirro, who said this on Saturday. As someone who's run for office five times, if the <laughs> devil called me and said he wanted to set up a meeting to give me opposition research on my opponent, I'd be on the first trolley to hell to get it. <laughs> Why do Trump supporters go out of their way to make themselves sound as nefarious as possible? <laughs> I wasn't looking for dirt on my opponent, but when Lord Lucifer called, I happily <laughs> traded in my soul. And... My human voice for the one he gave me now. <laughs> so, I mean, that's where it is. I would be on the first trolley to hell. I would happily sell my soul to the devil for dirt on my opponent. Well, Janine, if you decide to take that trolley, honey, just stay. There, There is something Ooh. called, you know, opposition research. And it's it's pretty standard and basic in campaigns, usually, you know, kind of higher up campaigns mm -hmm. where you find out. It's I'm like gonna, a dress. It I'm varies gonna put in it politely, <laughs> but you right. find out their weaknesses, their yep. Achilles heels, yep. uh, you know, and. The, the more clean they are, the, the harder it is, which they tried to do with Ralph Nader and back in the day and just really they said process. I mean, just could not come up with much stuff. Yeah. But um, but I do. I have, um, you know, I know people who got their hands on opponents, their opposite research, and they returned it to them without looking at them. I know people who have run and won. Heidi Harman is one of them who um, said, we're not running a negative campaign. And I know people have said that and then they've done it. Yeah. She absolutely didn't. And she's not the only person. I mean, you're seeing more yeah. and more of this. But opposition research n has never included going to a foreign government. No. And let's and for the record. The Gore team, in their mock debates, somehow the guy playing W for those mock debates, got he showed up to his podium one day to do the mock debates, and there, in an envelope, was the Bush administration debate playbook. Yeah, Somebody had snuck it to them and stuck it. He took it out. He looked at it. He stuck it back in the envelope, resealed the envelope, Went into Al Gore's office and said, yeah. we have to call the FBI. Yeah. And that's what you freaking do yeah. when that kind of stuff comes your way. You don't go, oh, the Russians gave us a big, delicious uh, box of cookies. Let's eat them. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm so glad you brought up uh, Al Gore because he went on Stephen Colbert yeah. because he's now pushing uh, an inconvenient sequel. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, go see it if you're into that sort of thing. And it isn't the, the inconvenient truth was pretty hard to watch and pretty big downer. This one's actually much more hopeful. They learned. They uh, yeah yeah. There's uh, and and he was on there and this is for you, Erica, because uh, he kind of uh, the vice former vice president on Colbert. In addition to mentioning that, uh, mentioned things about climate change that I thought were kind of encouraging. So, eighteen months ago, there was a really historic breakthrough with the agreement in Paris where. Just about every country in the world agreed to bring global warming pollution on a net basis down to zero. 
uh, within 30 some odd years as early in the second half of the century as possible. And that's really encouraging. We have made some progress. And the, the other really exciting thing is that the cost of electricity from solar panels and windmills has come down incredibly fast. And in many areas, it's now cheaper than electricity from burning fossil fuels. Now the batteries are coming down in cost and electric vehicles are becoming more popular. So we've got a lot going for us. We can solve this. We will solve this. And, and when candidates ask you for your support, tell them this is important to me. And depending on what their position is, tell them you'll either be for them or you'll do everything in your power to defeat them. Yeah. Now, another thing that was impressive about Al Gore on this is that I watched it, and I try to watch the things with the opposing eye. Like, I try to watch from a conservative eye who thinks climate change is garbage and whatever. And even the way he presents it. You know, Colbert gave him this opportunity. He said, well, this Antarctic ice shelf just, it broke off. The size of Rhode Island. Are, are we screwed? <laughs> and even that opportunity, where you would expect, where the his opponents would expect him to be all partisan and say, yep, that's it, we're screwed, and make a whole thing about it. And instead, he still led with facts. He said, well, that one actually is already floating, so that won't affect the sea level. So even that he was honest about because he could have used that as a football to say, yeah, we're screwed. And then he said, no, no, that one won't change the sea level. But then, of course, he said, but the ones behind them could start slipping, and then that'll raise the sea level. But we can take care of this. He was always pivoting towards we are doing this. And then we talked about the Paris Accord and said, we may have pulled out. But everybody else, including cor- he named corporations, he named other yeah. politicians, other businesses that are all, we're still going forward with it, even though the president is not. Yeah, the White House so. is pretty much the only entity that pulled yeah. out of that. everyone else went, no, this is the best way to go. No. Because, and he points out the most important thing is the financial part of it. It just makes sense. Oh, yeah. And in fact, like months after we, pardon, not we, he pulled out. We sent, uh, California sent a, a delegation over to China to... <gasps> When, oh, yeah. In the, California, we were rock stars over there. Oh, we did. Yeah. Jerry walked in and just said, well, here's what we're doing in California. Yep. And everybody kind of went, oh, yes, that kind of works, doesn't it? We, we didn't yeah, get to talk does. about it on the show, but the second no. they jumped out of the Paris Accord, Jerry Brown went over and said, we're still in. We're, and they went, oh, in. good. Okay. Good. And met with Macron and all these guys. Yeah, good. So. The sixth largest economy on the planet is still going the right way. Which, by <laughs> the way, is about seven economies larger than Russia. So if you think Russia is this awesome friend we have to have, no, it's about a two trillion uh, annual, and we are uh, seven. You know, California is seven notches above that. Yeah, you want California? Know, you want to know who needs Russia? Trump. Yeah, Trump's not, the only one. Not the United States, just that guy over there. Thank you. And that's the last thing I'm going to say about it because we've got to get off the subject. But I was going to say the Bob Mueller thing because I did tease it. Yes. Every time these things come up, in fact, we found, when we found out who the eighth person was in that meeting. It was Yakov Smirnov, wasn't it? Yeah. It was Yakov Smirnov, <laughs> the old comic. In Russia, we play you. Yeah. <laughs> Turned out to be. I a, think we have him in the kitchen over here, which we're going to have a few shots of after this show. Oh, totally. After this news. Uh, the eighth person is a money launderer for Russia. Shock! Okay, Shock! now he wasn't a convicted money launderer, and here's why. He was running a bank that put together 2,000 fake companies, moved $4 billion for Russians, and then was detected. He shut all the banks down, and then Congress, in its smartness, bipartisan, 
changed the laws, and that was also with 9-11, so that they couldn't do that again. You couldn't have bank accounts without naming who they were. So he was about to be, he was he, he would be convicted for laundering now if that law had existed before he did it. It's interesting because there's a lot of Russian money laundering happening here in California through the real estate. Oh, yeah. Buying houses for cash. And I think we're talking about putting forth a law that states we have to know who you are the if owner you're of the buying house. Yeah, that's right. property Boy, here. Erica, you caught on one that I was researching before we started, and I said we don't have time in the show. But as you know, intimately, we have a housing crisis in Southern California, and we have a gentrification thing that's going on, too. We have all these different issues going on, and one of the big ones, the side issues, is how many vacant homes there are because they're being bought by cash by Chinese and Russians. Exactly. And the Russian ones are oligarchs. The Chinese ones is actually semi-legitimate money, but the Russian ones are... But even right. they're, they're, but they're stolen all, money. They're all being sat on. No one's, sat no one's on. renting them out. No. So it's artificially it inflating to the, the crisis. Yes. And it also increases the the price to buy a house. Right, Absolutely. because it's still legal, as you just pointed out, to hide the owner of a piece of property mm-hmm. to a degree. And you have to have somebody. That's why Paul Manafort came in. Mm-hmm. He became the owner, in right. quotes, to several properties but on behalf of the, the Russians. You're talking about IBC, aren't you? ICBC? IBC. IBC, IBC that's IBC. correct. IBC, yeah. I watched, I watched International Mount Business Creations. Creations, right. And yeah. what about the company Blackstone in New York? Aren't they the real estate company? Aren't they headed by... By the Russians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's going to be so much. Again, Bob Mueller, I was noticing as all there's these things came down. There's too much to keep up with. There is. But as it came down, I was noticing how they were also reporting that Bob Mueller, one of the reasons they were able to confirm like the eighth person is there because they went to, they checked Bob Mueller's subpoena and interview list. And so that's why I say he's been many steps ahead of this. So every time something is broken, the media is two steps behind Mueller. You know, again, I say the White House is a zip code behind and Congress is three steps because Congress didn't see it either. But every one of these things, Bob Mueller has been shown to be on it and already interviewing or preparing interviews or investigating. And what about when um, Donald so. Jr. said something like, oh, it was just me and Jared and we were talking about <laughs> adoption? Right. Yeah, that's all so, The Magnitsky Act. That's all crap. Right. <laughs> so you garbage. know about that because that's one of the things that happened with the sanctions is they yeah. stopped Americans from being able to adopt children from Russia. Right. So but again, this is, it seems well, the, like they were yeah. talking about lifting the sanctions right, but that's, and all of that. That's one plank on that huge sanction one list plank. that has to do with adoptions. Everything yeah. else is all about money and oil. And to my <laughs> friends who say that Donald Trump's a brilliant negotiator and them sitting down with Vladimir Putin was brilliant negotiating, when he sat down with Vladimir Putin for an hour by himself with nothing but the Russian translator – there's not a single person in the diplomatic community who would ever say that's not the stupidest thing you could possibly do because you don't even know if the translator is talking about you or how he's talking about Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And you think, oh, well, that's no big deal. No, you don't understand. There's an excellent chance that after – I watched this whole show on the translators and yeah. how much trouble – remember the Daily Show even did a parody on it. Oh, yeah. How much trouble the translators are having with Donald Trump. Because he's an idiot. Because he doesn't have complete sentences. Correct. And so you could expect that Vladimir Putin's translator is literally telling Putin in Russian, yeah, he's babbling, he's babbling. Okay, now this is important. He talked about that. <laughs> and that's what happens. And you want to know that's happening. He's babbling, he's babbling. Nope, nothing important. Babbling, yeah. but nope, nothing important. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and Putin would want that. Anyway, 
We yeah. can't. We got to change the subject, but because uh, I want to get this a couple more things before we before we end the show. We got a lighting round, which is really exciting. Some fun, fascinating little tidbits that are going on about with women and women stepping up, and it's just it's just an era of genderism dying as well as all these other things that it's so fun to watch. And a future prediction that W and Slick Willie, I know he hates that Billy, uh, uh, said during this conference, which was absolutely fascinating. This is Jeff's world. Time goes by. I believe in you. Thank you so much for listening to Jeff's World, a.k.a. Erica and the Giants. I'm Jeff Stein, one of the Giants, with <laughs> Jeff Hendrick, the other Giants, and Erica Ferris. Then, well, oh, my it's, goodness. It's a visual. And, I, keep, and, you know, I keep forgetting that she calls us that. They're, well, you, she doesn't They're like both it. very tall, and <laughs> I am not. She's a little I'm size, height challenged. Height challenged. Uh, pretty little package. You're good to go. I have to use a stepping stool to get into my kitchen cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Jeff and I love reaching things for people, so it all works out. Use um, me for my body. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning reach things? Yeah. I, I can reach things. Oh, my gosh. So at the top of the show, I also teased how we. I was so pleased with what this era is helping people think about what it means to be a president. You know, in the previous few presidents, we went through this, I think, this phase, especially uh, with W, there was this demand and where president, they started to feel like they had to be a king. You know, we kept electing presidents thinking like, you're going to take care of everything. And we lost sight of this idea that the executive branch is the weakest of the branches. I I would also almost say that that might have started with Reagan. Reagan kind of had that big dynamic, big daddy thing going. Yeah, the patriarchal, I'll take care of everything. Ah, Who knows which president you could argue it started with. But uh, and we were kind of veering off course with that. And and even I I recall, I'm the first one to admit that I was unfair to George W. Bush um, during those years. And. I uh, and later went to appreciate, it. and again, I think Trump has helped me a lot to appreciate. I think Trump has lowered the bar for you so much. I'm sorry, <laughs> but George W. I thought was kind of an idiot, and then I went, no, no, he's not even remotely an idiot compared to this idiot. <laughs> Erica's looking at me like I'm just crazy. Uh, so, well, I... is this Stockholm syndrome? No, yeah, I love it. It's not Stockholm syndrome. It's it's just it's, it's you've bad. had it's, somebody. You've got somebody so dumber that you think dumb is not as dumb. Well, not it's, as it's, dumb. it's it's bad smart. merchandise comparison. Well, one thing one thing W was good at was comedy. Believe it or not, one of the funniest presidents. You would be surprised. Uh, whereas Al Gore would have probably been one of the most unfunny presidents. <laughs> See, I think that he un- can be funny, he but he, funny. it's amazing oh. how. I mean, but his his speech it's his it's it's his droll it's his drawl that slows him Tennessee down. Tennessee things right. is that a joke? Was that funny? <laughs> right, just like he's got that cadence huh? that just. God, I want to hug you, Al, but good yeah. Lord, man, you're boring me to tears. Uh, it reminds me of the uh, Alan Turing, played by Benedict Cumberbatch in the movie The. Uh, ah, you know, I guess, all right, this is what <laughs> I know. Too much, too much, uh, too much inside baseball. Back on I, track. I know exactly. So uh, they had a group. They formed a group called the Presidential Leadership Scholars, and it's done at the at W's President's Presidential Library. PLS? And, yeah. And oh, the, please. Yeah. And the idea... Oh, please. Oh, oh, please. Oh, please. And so as part of it, they're trying to cultivate... It was a, It's a funded thing to cultivate new leaders, people who could eventually be you know, leader enough to be president. That's kind of the premise, but you, they could be leaders of anything, not only politics, but business or, or not. Gosh, are they picking anything other than white men? They are, I'm actually. Sorry. Oh, no. You would be very thrilled. Good. Uh, it was extremely diverse. The, the actual you know, kind of people that they were cultivating was like, ah, just... 
beautiful. I'm like, this is America. This is a it's wonderful thing. a nice thing. cross-section of folks. Yeah. Good. Even, you know, it's funny. Good. A side note, I went to see Tim McGraw on Faith Hill, and he does this song, Humble and Kind, you may have heard. You know, always be humble and kind. And, of course, there's the stage show and the video. And the video was just a Benetton colors of people, people, women in hijabs and cowboys and hats. And and I just wish Tim McGraw and Faith Hill would just come out as the liberals they are. But, you know, that's another story. That's 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 country music, <laughs> and it's hard in country music. Well, there's a but. really beautiful, because I was just in Lenox, Massachusetts, where the Norman Rockwell Museum is, and he has a really beautiful uh, illustration or painting, uh, and it's, you know, multi-ethnicities yeah. and culture. Or Rockwell, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, Norman and that's way Rockwell. back in the day yeah. when multiculturalism. Says, I think, do unto others. Yeah. Yeah, Norman was way ahead of his time. He really was. <laughs> he was I'm very, yeah. serious. Seriously. Yeah. Very ahead of yeah. his time. Yeah. He was quite the activist. Yeah. So I wanted to play you two this because it would cheer. It, it, this is kind of like host's privilege here because uh, I watched <laughs> the whole thing with W and Billy and I just get all, you know, goose bumpy about the president and, and all this girl, sort of thing. Girl, you're so, so easy. I am easy. So here's a, uh, at least here's a couple. Of, this is one of the light moments, and then we'll get into one of the ones that was a very big future predicting moment. But but you'll like it. The best thing can happen to you in your politics is to be consistently underestimated. That's pretty good at that. <laughs> you made well, wait, you made me. Right. He made me a genius because I look like a genius. Because when the presidential race in 2000 started in 1999. I turned on TV one night at the White House, and I saw him sitting on a bale of hay in a tent in Iowa. And as far as I know, it's the first time he made that compassionate conservative speech. And I got on the phone, and I said, you guys better pay attention to this. He could beat you. There's a big tension against giving any party three terms in a row in the White House. And what he said to people who could go either way is compassion conservative. I'll give you the same thing Clinton did, but I'll do it with a smaller government and a bigger tax cut. Wouldn't you like that? Right. <laughs> and I said, and as we know, starting with me, we Democrats are not as good as bumper stickers. And it was brilliant. And I thought, they're going to underestimate this guy. I also saw him beat Ann Richards, who'd been a friend of mine for 20 years. And she had a 60% approval rating. And he won anyway, because he understood that politics was about candidates, conditions, and culture, and not just what position you were taking on the issue. And he constructed a campaign that fit with where Texas was at that time. You didn't have to dislike Ann Richards to vote for George Bush. So he maximized the number of people he could get. Yeah, candidates, conditions, and culture. Yeah, you know, that's not quite as warm and fuzzy a moment as you yeah. think, Stein. Uh, Carl Rove yeah, and, and that- <laughs> God Guns and Gays leaflets that they put all over and the horror- with that race with Ann oh, Richards. God. And then and the whisper campaign that about he her being the <laughs> drunk, <laughs> drunk yeah. and sleeping around. Yeah. I mean, that was beyond yeah, the tell pale. Me, tell me again what a, a highfalutin recovered- campaign he wrote. Come she's a recovered now. alcoholic. Alcoholic, right. and that's when you do. That's their opposition research, and they right. went for it. And it is quite despicable. In it's interesting opinion. that yeah, the Democrats didn't really go and dig up George Bush's alcoholic nonsense and parade it all over like they did to Ann Richards and dodging the war and all this sort of thing. Dodging yeah, the war, yeah, and so. the cocaine and good stuff like that. You know, it, it's yeah. funny because I, I I hear that 
And it reminds me of, of the lens I saw through, which was much like your lens. Because when I was looking at George it's Bush, a, once I made the list in my head, suit. I know, once I made the list in my head of the things that made George Bush awful, I could not see the things that made him okay. And this is the point of what I was just playing there, is that there was a lot of you know things about there's There were people that voted for George W. Bush uh, because they were inspired. And that's the only thing is I think when you when you look at your enemy, when you look at your opponent in politics, I don't care where you're standing on. It's sometimes it's, we, we see someone like Donald Trump. We go, oh, my God, you are so disgusting as a human. You were a vile human being with no redeeming value. How could you possibly like this guy? It closes off your head. It doesn't let you see what other people can see. And okay. then you won't be able to speak okay. to them. Fine. Then, then, but what is it about George Bush that inspires you? Well, <laughs> yeah, well he didn't fine. inspire what me it, as much as he inspired others, What is others, it about obviously. Donald Trump that inspires you? Well, when you say, like, take for the term compassionate conservatism. No, but conservatism. I want to stick with George no, Bush because conservatism. I listened to your last radio show when I wasn't here, and I'm hearing you say, George Bush did all these amazing things, and I'm like, really? List them. Well, he was willing to be brave enough on immigration reform, and he got killed for it in, in by his own party because, of course, they weren't willing to consider you know people the dreamers and things. Whereas George Bush very much was, and he was for that, and he wasn't as rabidly you know crazy on some of the things. And the compassionate conservative thing—if I were a conservative at that time in two thousand, I'd be like, "Wow, that's you know, this is a great way to because I want people to see that my conservatism is compassionate." You see. That sort of thing is inspiring, but I I won't argue with you. He went into a war. He lied about it. He did. You know, he used guns, gods, and gays. But wait, but, all of but those lying things. us into a war and the I don't know is it a million people at this point? The amount of people whose lives were taken, destroyed. And I mean, President Obama bombed people with drones. Agreed. I mean, you know, it's, it's be it's, it's be like it's that's difficult. that's a that's a pretty. Big one. We I mean, need, you guys have flaws. I have flaws, and I still love you. We need, as a country, to get out of the war business. Yeah, president. there's no doubt about Period. that. So no. go, let's not go off on too yeah, many no, tangents. No, I'm just yes. saying, for another show, that's a big topic I yeah, want to yeah. beat to death on my comedy I know. We animal. need to like literally just take a week and just do a, a show on different topics just so we can just but, go, let's re-look at all these in a right. real serious I give you way. The cre- I give him the credit for the immigration. So, I mean, yeah. I give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Another point I want to play is there's a little bit, there's a couple minute clip here, but I think I want to play on the other side. I want to get you guys' opinion on this because I think uh, what Bill Clinton mentions here is about where our country is going and where the world is going, which is going to require radical change from where we're currently standing. And, and that's something to be discussed. You'll see what I mean? If we could just say one serious thing, I mean, I think there are a lot of really big questions floating out right there. Uh, Carlos Slim, the Mexican. Multi-billionaire, he's a really smart guy, gave a speech during the campaign, and the campaign being what it was, obviously nobody was interested in asking about it, but he said, I believe that this will be the first technological revolution that will kill more jobs than it creates. And therefore, I believe we will either have to have people with money pay even higher taxes to just subsidize people living who don't, or... The richest countries are going to have to start planning first for a four-day and ultimately for a three-day work week because of automation, robotics, and artificial intelligence. Now, no one knows the answer to that, but that means that it's not going to be boring. It's not boring figuring out how to make deal with all these climate change issues to do it in time and do it in a way that helps the economy, not hurts it. 
is not boring figuring out whether we can have a more broadly shared prosperity and still have growth. I mean, these are very significant questions. And it's also not boring figuring out how to navigate a political world in which the nation state's borders are porous, not just in terms of vulnerability to terrorist attacks, but cyber terrorism and all this. This is gonna be, it's a, it's a fascinating, sobering, but exhilarating time to be alive. And also, I told George once a year or two ago, I said, I, I hope you're not the first Republican, not the last Republican president who's not afraid of immigrants. I mean, in other words, we agree with it. We, I, we could go to South Texas and have a discussion about what immigration reform should look like. But if you, if you look at America, we're only having a 2.1 uh, replacement of our native-born population from natural births. We can't continue to grow this economy unless we grow more diverse and take in more immigrants. So we got to be comfortable about it. Wait, when he says native births, is he talking about First Nations people who are no. the native? Yeah, no, not <laughs> quite. No. So is it like at what is it Mayflower people who are the native? Like I'm just trying to. <laughs> what understand. he means is that uh, uh, our population growth from from citizens giving birth to children in this country versus our population growth from immigrants coming to this country. And so he makes this important point that Americans aren't having babies. This is why the evangelicals stuff go have babies, have babies, have babies, because it becomes this weird kind of, uh, you know, uh, identity thing where we have to have as many of us instead of not them. But he's making the point that our us will never come to the levels of them, the amount of immigrants. And it's always been that way in America, but we just ignored that truth, whether it was the Irish and the Italians and the Chinese and the whatevers who came over one different, you know, wave after another. They always outnumbered the the folks that already lived here. Duh. Ask, Ask the First Nation people as you're making the appropriate point. And so that, to me, is one of the big amazing parts is that we're going to move into a place that's going to be more like Europe where immigration is in, out, in, everybody's just going in and out because we can't possibly sustain this idea of walls and hardcore you know, screenings well, and regulations. They're, and- they're every single border on a map is artificial. Yeah. Okay, it means nothing to the people that live in that region. Sure. I mean, if you wanted to look at a prime example globally, look at India and Pakistan. Okay, you've got people that have been cruising across an artificial border that was, I think, dictated by BP in 1952 on some random map somewhere. And you've got people that have been there for a millennia that just, yeah, the border means nothing to them because it never has. So it's it's interesting that, that we have these artificial concepts mm-hmm. that we keep trying to make but, but real. That it even goes down to the micro level, right? I mean, uh, the Korean neighborhood, the Spanish neighborhood, right. the yeah. Irish neighborhood. We kind of self segregate. We got to get over sure. that too. We still self segregate quite a bit. I, I understand but, on some level it's self segregation, but on another, on another level, I love Koreatown here in L.A. I love little Bangladesh. Well, that's where needs to be the ca- I mean, that needs to be the caveat. It's right. like you can self segregate, well, but as long Canada. as we're well, yeah. no, but I'm, just saying, I'm just saying that every so we need a little Canada. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of moose I love Mexico. No, but I think so, I think every little pocket neighborhood, though, yeah, grant, granted, it's self segregation, but there's something really wonderful and unique about that, and that's also very terribly American. Is yeah. that you have your own little neighborhood where you can go to Little Italy and you can get really good food you can't get yeah. on another side of town. Okay, so Well, that's going to expand. I, that's not to me. I have right, an interesting right. point to okay. make, though, on this. I just read this book 
called Exit West. And it's about immigrants who are in a country that's being bombed and they exit and they end up in Northern California. So anyway, but there was this one part of the story where they tell a story within a story and it's this older woman. And so mostly you've, you've seen like what it's like to be an immigrant, like from, from that point of view. But this one woman, she's an older woman and tells the story. She was married, had a couple of kids, divorced, then married a second time. And then eventually that husband died. She's lived in the same house you know, lived in the same neighborhood since she was a kid. She used to ride her bike up that street and da da da. And then how the neighborhood has changed so much. The people who live next to her, they don't speak the same language. They, you know, have different cultures and customs. Anyway, the point was with the story within the story. So here's a woman who lived in the same neighborhood her whole entire life. And now she is this older woman. And she's looking at these other people as if they're more at home than she is. And the point is we all eventually become, to some point, immigrants ourselves because things are constantly changing. So even if you live in the same Mm -hmm. exact neighborhood, those neighbors move, different neighbors move back, you know, in. Not not to harsh on the old woman, but, you know, take a step out of your bubble there, lady, and take a look at your new neighbors. They're your new neighbors because someone blew up their home. You well, know, it wasn't even the, those weren't even just their neighbors. Right. With, like it was all different. Like it's just right. the point is at a certain point, even if you live in the exact same spot, right. everything changes where you if you choose, you'll feel like a foreigner who doesn't belong. Right. Right. But it's it's the country is evolving. It is it, it has evolved since its first days. Yeah. And it's constantly going to evolve and it's never ever going to be the same as yesterday. So in addition to the immigration thing, which obviously they jumped on as well, I, I get, you know, they were just so fascinating. But to me, the ones that was unbelievable, the, a tech revolution that will kill more jobs than it creates, first of all. You know, and then, and that is a certainty. Yeah. That is a certain. it's already happened. That's really the reasons why Donald Trump got elected because he said he would bring back manufacturing jobs and they didn't go because of trade deals. They, they, they found out that something about 11, about 11% of the jobs went from trade deals. The other percentage was from modernization from they don't need that job anymore but it would still would. help if ivanka and donald did yes. bring their of course it manufacturing would. plants to american soil especially in uh, made in america week but this would I, I heard this and my old blue collar kind of yes i never even get to made of america week i know it's like so, i had so much stuff that i gathered it's just the unbelievable hypocrisy but anyway uh, another <laughs> show um but that aside I, I, this idea of a four-day work week and then a three-day work week and that we're going to have to do that, and we're going to have to have quote unquote unless we don't fix the the, the unless we raise the minimum wage to thirty five forty dollars an hour, which we're eventually going to have to do in order to make up for the fact that you can't the system just simply cannot work because there we have automated so many things. I, I, the best analogy I came up with was the lighthouse operator. The lighthouse operator he doesn't hardly work at all. But he's operating a piece of machinery that is so important, his only one job is to keep that light lit. And that takes like an hour a day to replace the whale oil <laughs> or whatever, right? right? And, and yet he gets paid all day for that. He gets paid work, everything, day, benefits, etc., for doing that one hour a day. And that's going to be the new model. And we're going to have to forcibly construct that, meaning that we're going to pay you a, a wage that, you know, in this era would seem insane. We're going to pay you what amounts to $500 an hour. You're going to work two hours. 
because it's the only way to sustain the fact that we've got so many systems and automations that do everything for us. You know what's insane, though? What's even more insane than that mm. is the fact that if the minimum wage, the minimum wage had kept up with water, worker productivity, it would well, be hovering right around at $22 an hour right yeah. now. You know what's insane is asking someone to work 40 hours a week for $7.25 that's right. and expecting them to have a life. That's right. That's, that's the first problem. That's insane. We solved that yeah, problem? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But if we're, I was trying to jump seven steps ahead because first you solve the problem of living wage. If you put in 40 hours, you can actually sustain yourself. But then we're going to get to a point where you're gonna we're going to make it so you can't work 40 hours because we have to create more jobs for other people. Well, you're going to work 10 hours and that's going to be a living Wage. Well, then what you can do Which is you, be could, you could put 10 hours in on the on the industrial hemp collective that's, outside that's of your town. That's kind of what you, will happen. <laughs> yeah, because that's where we're going to have to go back to because that's one of the that's one of the renewable, easy, easy, speezy sources of power so, and fuel in this country. Yeah. Gavin Newsom, who's running for governor, he he's he was talking about this at a meeting that I was at. And he was saying even in Napa Valley, you know, they have machines now that pick the grapes for the wine. Right, right, right. Um, and, you know, and you're you're seeing an increase of opioid addiction right. in these communities. And, you know, he talked about how it's interesting because Google and Yahoo and all these tech companies are. Whereas they're increasing, you know, the GDP, they're not job creators. No. Because the amount of jobs, say, that, uh, you know, of they're job like killers. GE, yeah. that's right. They're like the amount job of killers. jobs, like the car, you know, car manufacturing jobs that GE created is far more than Google and Yahoo put together because yeah. it's a small amount of workers. But that puts out that amount of tech work. by design eliminates jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the idea. That's Even though these all job, about, yeah. and Google say, "Well, we have however many hundreds of employees." Yes, but every one of those employees created a circumstance which got rid of ten others. That's right. You know that aren't on your campus; they're on the Google campus. Obviously, you didn't eliminate jobs there; you eliminated them elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And this is the reality. This is what they're talking about. So anyway, this is fascinating. Could do a whole show on that. Coming up, the lightning round uh, because we have got a lot of little things about uh, like uh, a possible Senate run by Kid Rock <laughs> and some other weird stories. Uh, <laughs> Got a girl from the south side, got brazen hair. Just for Jeff, I Jeff Hendrick, I put in a little, uh, you know, the song that says, this is the end of the show. So there you go. It's the this is the end <laughs> of the show. This is Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Eric Affairs and Jeff Hendrick. And uh, this is the lightning round. Oh. So a couple of fun things. One, Trump intervened. Uh, to help Afghan teenage girls attend a robot competition in the United States. And if you've never been to a robot competition, you won't freaking believe. If you have no clue about this, they're kind of awesome. <laughs> hit a YouTube. <laughs> anyway, so there they are in their hijabs and, and, and Ivanka Trump. And it just looked really awesome. And, and my Trump supporter friends, a couple of them actually pointed this story out to me. And I do. I think it's an unabashed success. And I know what you guys are going to say. Well, I mean, it's. I, I guess, think it's awesome. I okay. think I think it's I think it's great that they're there because this this is a team of gals that just busted their ass to get into this competition, right? And they've got a kind of a good shot at winning their. They division. got a silver, I think. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's not like they were. I just hope that the Trump supporters who pointed that out actually continue with that. And and yeah, because in the context, stay open hearted yes. towards yes. people who yes. look yes. different, speak different. Instead of just like, uh, right. ha ha, told you, you but know, he, it's like, okay, right. take that and keep telling me, tell me some more, yeah. show me some more. Yeah. Right. In the context of the Muslim ban, 
that's the thing. That's what I thought you guys were going to mention. Because in the context of the Muslim ban, it's like, well, the reason they're having trouble immigrating over here is because of things like Muslim bans. Right. You know, right. so, but in the same, so yes, I hope that they'll, that they'll see it. And again, I think from the Trump supporters, I know one in particular who, who sent this story to me is not a racist. And so he wouldn't even, it's like we were talking about earlier with Trump supporters. It wouldn't occur to him that, uh, there would be any distaste for Muslims because he sees Trump as a different person. But, uh, again, it's that whole, you know, I, we, we love his policies, but don't like the way he talks nasty about others um and they just don't listen to it so anyway that was really good a good i know i know you guys they drive i drive them crazy when i equivocate about uh, trump like that um the other story which we can't get into we could do a whole show on is there's kind of like a gentrification war here in los angeles where and rightly uh, so Boyle heights some other areas where the real estate boom because land is so valuable and hipsters are kind of moving in and art galleries and coffee shops into places where the locals who have been there forever, like the story you told about the lady who'd been there forever and they can't live there anymore and they don't feel like it's home anymore because it's being yuppified, so to speak, or hipstered. Uh, and that's created like protests, these odd kind of protests. And even when you drive around this town, we still got a lot of homeless encampments. It's a whole crisis. We're working on that one. But that's that's, again, I don't know, save it for another show. Uh, let's see. Uh, the U.S. military reportedly pays $130,000 a month to lease space in Trump Tower for White House operations. That's nice. So the so that money goes right into Trump's profiting Correct. Pockets. Donald Trump, who said he wouldn't even collect a salary for being president. Well, what should he? I, he can make I, so much more I, money. What am I looking Oh, that's right. It's called the Emoluments Clause. Emoluments Clause. You're not allowed to profit from your office, 45. Kid Rock, who has not filed the FEC, pa- FEC papers, Federal Election Commission, but he has uh, bought the website uh, KidRockForSenate.com or whatever. I want to be a senator, baby. In Michigan, because he's running a run against Debbie Stabenow, who's a longtime Michigan senator, Democrat, who's been who's uh, up for re-election in 2018. Who uh, the Republicans have de- have, have debbed, uh, dubbed debbed. Uh, Debbie, spend it now. Oh, isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? That's adorable. Yeah, it's not a real policy argument, but yeah, go ahead and be snarky. Yeah. Uh, then if it was Republican, it should be Debbie, borrow it now instead or put it, put it on the deficit. Oh. Right. So, because that's the only thing. You can accuse Democrats of spending, but now you can accuse Republicans of borrowing and not paying for anything. So they both do it wrong. Saddling their grandkids with the debt. Uh, another fun, yeah, another fun one was that uh, you know how in Texas, um, Greg Abbott, the, pre- the governor there, and the legislature are trying to they put on the ballot one of these bathroom bills. They're going to try to ban transgenders from going in bathrooms. So a trans woman named Ashley Smith took this picture that my co-hosts are looking at right now Genius. and trolled. Greg Abbott. Genius. She went up and decided, hey, I want to get a picture for the governor. And she's a pretty lady, but she's a dude. Or at least she's changing. She doesn't to look trans- like a dude. Exactly. She looks like a hot girl. And so she had fun and trolled him <laughs> and said to him, uh, with, the, with the perfect point of it, uh, let me see if I can find her quote because it was so appropriate. How can uh, you tell, how will you be able to identify transgenders going into the bathroom if you couldn't even identify that I was one? Yeah, yeah. Because you got your hand on my knee right now, Governor Abbott. Yeah. They're probably going to do some bizarre thing where they're going to have security and you're going to have to pull down your pants and show your genitalia. (laughs) You know what? I think I'll just travel to Texas without my pants. That'll (laughs) just solve it right there. Uh, (laughs) Another another nasty one here. Um, Former Senator, Senator Patty Murray of Washington identified that in Betsy DeVos's civil rights chief working in the administration... (laughs) <laughs> said, quote, 90% of campus rape allegations are bogus. 90% are bogus. 
So that's got. So is this some... person fired or resigning yet? Not yet. She's trying to call for it. That's what Patty Murray is trying to do. Did Betsy um, DeVos say that, or did Betsy no, DeVos? No, Betsy DeVos is civil rights chief. Civil rights chief. The civil rights chief. Civil rights chief says ninety percent of college campus rapes, rapes, or, rapes reported are bogus. bogus. Wow. 90%. I mean, it's one thing you say half. Maybe you could try to get away with it and say, you know, half of those are probably bogus. But to say 90% of rape, just, it, that means that, that means that there's an epidemic of women in colleges screaming rape. That's exactly That would be an that epidemic. Means. That's exactly what that says. So, uh, you know, anyway. But this is the same Betsy DeVos who said, hey, by the way, you know, you 45%, we're in the majority. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a woman who is dumber than a box of hammers, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's and she's in charge of this nation's education. Yeah. Which goes to my point: they they want to dismantle education because they don't want an educated yeah. populace. No, an educated populace questions its leaders. This is not what this team wants. So, a bunch of fifteen-year-old uh, girls in Texas, where again, Governor Greg Abbott had signed one of these "Show me your papers, please" laws. Uh, to to try to ferret out you know immigrant or people jumping over the border illegal aliens, uh, they did the fifteen a bunch of fifteen year olds did a a, a quinceanera protest which was so awesome so, they dressed up in their full protest outfit or full dresses and whatever for the quinceanera look it up if you don't know what that is uh, so and it was just like in their in your face not only are we going to say yes we're Latin we're proud uh, but we're going to do a quinceanera protest for you so that's the it's the equivalent of the sweet, sweet 16, 16 exactly here or the or the bar mitzvah 15. that mitzvah yeah. any every culture has their coming of age yeah. right and the quinceanera there's is 15 the, right there's this 15 so uh, good <laughs> for see. them yeah there was a fight between Ann Coulter and Delta Airlines. You guys probably caught that one. Yeah, why does she even take a plane when she's got a broom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, little Simpsons laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I was looking for. Uh, so Nelson Muntz, Nelson Muntz to recording room four, please. Nelson Muntz. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the trolling is so epic because she went on her little rant about how, you know, they kicked me out of my seat. And then she took pictures of the person that, that was replacing the seat and embarrassed that person. And that person didn't ask for it. And then she did this tweet, $30. She got $30 to, uh, to, to change seats. That was the thing they gave her. $30. Oh, wait, wait. So they didn't. Beat her to a pulp and drag her off the plane? No. Interesting. They said, change seats, and here's $30. And she complained. She complained, and she said, it cost me $10,000. privilege! Yeah. She said, it cost me $10,000 of my time to pre-select the seat I wanted, investigate type of plane, and go back periodically to review the seat options, and all they gave me was $30. Wait, it cost her $10,000 of her time? Did she make like $10,000 a minute? That's what she's trying to say. That it takes, she makes like, because so if we're speaking. It like three minutes to yeah. like select well, your seat. Well, she said it took, oh, she's trying to imply that it took her an hour and she makes like 10000 an hour. Why does it speaks. take you an hour to select? The, there's something wrong with you. Because I yeah. just flew <laughs> from right, yeah. LA a lot of things wrong with her. to Tampa, <laughs> yeah. from Tampa to Massachusetts with two children. Yeah. I selected our seats very quickly. <laughs> it did not take me an hour to exactly. select our seats. Would you like your $10,000? <laughs> I would. <laughs> and I have to say, so I flew American Airlines, which we fly a lot, and I think that they have taken a lesson from it, what United. Was it, from United, nope. because I am telling you, these flight attendants, super nice, super nice. I was <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening here. Somebody be mean to me, right? So that I can feel comfortable. What happened to the terse indifference? <laughs> I have flown American <laughs> Airlines and have encountered. Some Ooh. rude flight attendants okay. over the years, and I am telling, they were 
they were so beyond nice. Well, I, I was like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't happen to have a pen I could borrow. Like, I was even scared to ask, you know, because that seemed like going like such a... And um, she was like, you know what? You can have this one. I'm like, oh my gosh. So Chris Evans, big, you know, obviously gets paid tons of money, big actor. And he Captain gets... Captain America! Exactly. Got the American tons of money. So he said, I totally get it, Ann Coulter. It costs me $75,000 to brush my teeth. I must pre-select the brush, investigate type of paste, and periodically spit BS. <laughs> like you. <laughs> nice! Yeah. But Ann Coulter even did it. I mean, I, I mean, even Delta Airlines handled it well. They said, Ann Coulter, we're sorry you did not receive the preferred seat you paid for, and we will refund your $30. Additionally, your insults about our other customers and employees are unacceptable and unnecessary. Nice. Thank you. Again, corporations taking the high road, which is always something we had hoped for, and there it is. Um, remember that case of a woman who was arrested during the Jeff Sessions uh, for confirmations for laughing? Yes. She laughed too loud. She was arrested and convicted. Yes. Of a crime, well, a judge just tossed it out as yeah. being insane. May I also <laughs> add to that story that yeah. she's also being retried? Yes, she has. Yeah, they're going to retry they're her. They're going to retry her for but, laughing at Jeff Sessions. But every they, but when the judge, if you look at the particular case, it's very fascinating if you're into legal stuff because I mean, the, talk about. Are we in a country that's about freedom? No. Now people are jailed for laughing. Yes. This was an aberration. This was a goof. And the, the Why prosecutor is she being retried because the prosecutors lied when they gave jury instructions, and so she's not going to be convicted a second time around because they told they told the jury that laughing constituted a disruption and 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 force and or however they phrased that camera. And of right. course, the jury said, "Oh." So that's, oh, then I guess laughing counts. So, yeah, we have to convict her. And the judge tossed it out saying, no, that's not even close to truth. Right. And so it'll get retried and she won't even come close to being. But the nice thing, I'm hoping will we'll come out will of this. Justice will be served, I think. Not only will it be served, I want a precedent out of this. Yeah. I want something carved in stone that says, Jeff Sessions, grow a pair. Can <laughs> yeah. she then, I mean, what about the time and expense and stress that she's gone through because these prosecutors lied because what they're political zealots. She can sue afterwards for yes. violations of her civil rights and, and competition accordingly if she wants to go to that rate. And she's code bank, so they may fund it, and we'll see what happens. But anyway, is it uh, Jody Evans? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, that's <laughs> her name. I don't know what her name is, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's good. That's actually a good news, a good follow up. And then one more for you guys here. Uh, Ken Burns keeps going around telling even saying to, if you have trouble with your evangelical voters who love Trump, just to say to them simply, what part of Donald Trump reminds you of Jesus Christ? Ask them that question. And, of course, he's been having a lot of fun with that because the responses have been pretty silent. And so I there you go. so. Anyway, and then again, that reminds that reminder. Just ask them, well, oh, if he's a great Christian, what part of Donald Trump reminds you of Jesus Christ? And see what happens. Wow. And then gonna, the last I'm thing. I'm going to go with the blonde hair. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Makes so, as much sense as anything else. Makes as much say. sense as anything else. <laughs> So, and then the last thing uh, before we got here, uh, a f- thing I saw on Facebook, if you're feeling bad, go to the Awe Station, A-W-W Station, Awe Station. It's just filled with pets and dogs and cats and things just doing extremely adorable stuff. You'll see what I mean. Yeah, I think I think my friend posted up one, and it's literally a <laughs> container of little chicks covering a kitten. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, my oh my gosh, that's it's so cute. It's super it is. It will, it will break this. It will snap the cute meter in half every time you click on I it. I think that we <laughs> should, I think, uh, you know, 
a Democrat should have to bring a Republican and then watch videos together. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad idea. Yeah. And have an awe moment together. Right. I think I think we need to have like Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer go in and pet puppies together. Yes. <laughs> just hang out, have some hot cocoa. Senators and puppies. Sure. Just like, you know, throw oh, nine God. or ten big, you know. Golden Retriever puppies at them. Let them get and slobbered just on. Licky, licking yeah. their faces. That's just wonderful. Well, the only thing more adorable that is are my co-hosts, Erica Ferriston, Jeff Hendrick. <laughs> I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you so much for listening to Jeff's World. This has been Jeff's World, the social, political, pop cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose-colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic Jeff Stein. <laughs>